The Tumbling Saber podcast is powered by our powerful friends. Become a powerful friend for just a couple dollars per month and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, random prize draws, contests, newsletters, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Welcome to episode 112 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. We finally have a trailer to talk about. We're going to do that now. My name is Kyle. My name is Corey. My name is James. Yeehaw! We got it, guys. It's finally in our lap. A Han Solo trailer and, and a Patriots loss to boot. What can be better than that? Woo! <laughs> the Dolphins fans are you, happy. You know, what Tom Brady you know what Tom Brady had for breakfast this morning? I, I, hope it, I hope it's in a nice tall glass of his own tears. <sighs> Good enough, right? Remember, remember that time? Remember that time Tom Brady lost to a backup quarterback in the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Remember the time he got nailed late in the fourth quarter and fumbled just to, to secure the loss? I, I heard that ball had too much air in it. Delicious, delicious defeat. Ooh, inflate gate. Remember that time he had, he, they, they tried their own flea flicker and it went right off his fingertips? Uh, it's too bad, man. They, they, they basically clutched defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> no, that, wasn't, that was a classic game, though. That was really tight. was It a was a great game, so I hear. Yeah, your satellite, not cooperative, huh? <laughs> at all. I'd like to give a shout-out to all the people who work at my satellite company. You can all go and, uh, <clears throat> this is a family show, but we're not friends. GFY. <laughs> GFY is the uh, abbreviation there. Good for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if this were Sith Disturbers, I'd give it a big hearty go bleep yourself, but. Yeah, yeah. It's not that kind of night, guys. It's a night to talk about Han Solo. But first, uh, let's just wish a happy belated birthday to M. M of the Bridger Transmissions. Happy birthday, M. I hope it was a good one. And I also want to give happy a special birthday. thanks. Yeah, happy birthday, M. <clears throat> say happy birthday, Corey, for God's sakes. Happy birthday, M. Sorry. I was going to say, Corey, what's your problem? I was writing something, sorry. <laughs> Are you part of the show or not? Hey, man, last minute notes I hope it was happy solo. birthday that you were writing. <laughs> no, it was actually, uh, anyway, we'll get to it. Happy birthday, M. You're the best. <laughs> Like pulling teeth. <laughs> All right, I, I, just want, I also want to give a special thanks to Carlos, Mr. Candido, for uh, taking up the mantle of the Facebook living on the Tumbling Saber channel. He's been doing on Friday. He did a really cool Lego build. Um, what was it again that he did? Wasn't it the bomber? No, Friday was the Tie Fighter. Tie yeah, Fighter. Yeah. Tonight was the Resistance bomber. And I, I, oh, that that resistance bomber looks really, really sick. Such a nice Lego piece. I want that badly. But yeah, no, it's it's a great use of the platform and a cool way to hang out. Like I really, I found myself on Friday night, I not wanting to 
catch up on my, on my PVR stuff. I just wanted to kind of sit there on Facebook and hang out and chat for a bit. And for a while, it I kind of... It happened to me, too, on one of his builds. Yeah, you, 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 get, you get sort of hooked in, and it's, it's hypnotic and fun to watch. And, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Good job, Carlos. Yeah, Carlos is always uh, fun to talk to as well. But it is kind of cool. Like, it, it's a weird world we live in now where that kind of passes as hanging out. Like, you can add yourself to the conversation. Like, I plugged in on Friday's video, and you know, my, my ugly mug was in there, too. And I was like, we're just chat- chatting. And it's it's... Obviously not hanging out in protein form, but it's pretty close. Yeah, it's better than nothing, anyhow. You know, for for a for a guy with no social life like myself, now uh, it, that'll do. <laughs> and I'm I'm happy that Carlos uh, has taken that up. So again, thanks thanks Carlos. And also a quick note: shout out to Steve and Eric from San Diego Sabers who had uh, myself and Rob wait on this weekend uh, to talk about the Last Jedi, which was just purely, um, you know more of a a button-up discussion show. And it turned out really, really well, I think. Uh, we had a bunch of different opinions on there, and I, I really can't wait to hear the final result. result. So that should come out, uh, I'm not sure, maybe later this week, perhaps next week, but that's coming down the pipe. So check that out. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure many people here follow Steve already, but uh, I will no doubt make a note of that on the Tumbling Saber page once, uh, or the group, maybe both, I don't know. But I'll let you know once it's out there, because it, it, was, it was a good time. Uh, so before we get into the Han Solo of it all, Corey, do you have any collecting updates to share? Mm, somewhat. Uh, anyway, I went to go see The Last Jedi last week, and it was... That's not, that's not a collecting update. Anyway, I wanted to get that out there, because... <laughs> somewhat. Anyway. But no, seriously. He collected another ticket stub. Yeah, there you go. And I, I, I do still have it. And it was awesome. That was probably my Ooh. last time, and I was super stoked of been able to go and yeah man I how many people in the theater you know it was just me and my friend for like right almost till showtime and uh, i think by the end of it all there was maybe like nine people all right it was was empty kind of what you uh, expect at this point it's i mean it's not making a ton of cash at this point in its run no but anyhow it was awesome i had a great time um Sending out on Friday, I took off half a day from work. I went to actually go cook pancakes for 25-year-olds at my kid's school. And uh, on the 25 way there... 25-year-olds at your kid's school? 20. Why can't 25-year-olds make their own breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, whatever. It was, that, was, that was fun. But uh, on the way there, I took off a little extra early so I could make a few stops on the way in. And, man, the, the pegs were just... There was absolutely nothing. It's like... The calm before the storm, it's like the, the, the sea has recited, and it's, it's like awaiting the uh, the tsunami that's to come, but oh my god, man, there was actually like maybe 20 gin ursos and a couple of overpriced gris. Other than that, like the Black Series is like nowhere to be found. I even went a step further on the weekend, um, went to, the, to go visit my parents, and we just kind of went shopping all day, and yeah, there's absolutely squat out there. So I ended up just, I, and I was like determined to buy something this week. I was like, I, I need to scratch that itch so bad. And I was just looking everywhere. I went to EB Games. I just rifled through Funko Pops. I was just looking to buy anything. And yeah, in the long run, I just ended up buying, uh, I picked up my comic stash and a uh, whole bunch of bags and boards and boxes. And that's that's what my Saturday night consisted of, just bagging and boarding and trying to get organized and realizing that I, I've actually quite a few doubles and I'm missing a lot of in-betweens and that's going to be fun. Sounds like the wife was out of the house on Saturday. Corey no, bagging she, and boarding. No, she's actually kind of <laughs> cool with that. Like that's something that, like 
It's one of those mindless tasks you could just cut, like watch a movie or watch TV and just. She's like, he's cleaning up. Leave him alone. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he's sorting out his mess. Just leave it be. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I as far as the empty pegs go, I think we can start to expect that kind of everywhere, especially out where we live, where I think we're less catered to. But slowly but surely, as we get closer to April, late April, I think is or early sometime in April is when the Han Solo gear is going to hit the pegs. I think they're just going to let things run its course now. I'm already I'm already seeing empty pegs, like full on empty pegs. Yeah, it was nuts. Near me. It's crazy. Like I was really, they, really, they really disappointed. Like, yeah, they restocked a couple weeks ago with a lot of three and three quarter stuff. So I, I have, I can pick up almost anything from that assortment. But I think otherwise, it's just let things die on the vine here and clear up some space for Han Solo. There, there was a a nice old school Punisher. You know the Punisher with the white boots, belt, and gloves. Why are we talking about Punisher? Well, just I wanted to buy him. I had him in my hands. I was like, I'm gonna buy this, and then like the the box was just like crushed in the corner. I was like, Ugh. I mean, we all love the Punisher here, but geez, Frank Castle is not part of the galaxy far, far away. I'm still a toy. It's for the boys <laughs> at the nerd room. Back off. All right, then I'll I'll let it go. All right, so let's uh, let's get let's just get right into this. We're gonna park all news. I, I use air quotes on the news of the week because there wasn't really much worthwhile to talk about. We'll punt that to episode 113 if we have to. But this week, we'll just talk about the Han Solo teaser trailer. And I'm, I'm just going to start this off by saying this teaser is why the Pats lost. I was discussing this with Jedi Fish <laughs> via direct message. They lost because the gods were watching this trailer over and over that they forgot that they were supposed to be helping the Patriots. They were so distracted by Ron Howard's work that, oops, they missed out on their opportunity to help Tom Brady win a sixth ring. Oof. I think you're close. I think it's 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 the devil who watches football and helps the Patriots, <laughs> and he also like, is obviously a Star Wars fan. But beyond that, I think it's a good theory. I, I think it's solid. And until someone can prove that it's not what happened, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> so we're, we're mostly going to skip over that... 30 or 45 second teaser we'll just go right for the big boy here make sense to you guys into the meat yeah i mean there's some cool stuff maybe we'll touch on it at the end but uh for the most part we're gonna hit that minute and a half trailer here uh and it starts off very differently than we're used to seeing from a star wars trailer big time that, oh yeah like that like a open guitar power chord yeah total it, it distortion it's, yeah, it's but awesome. it sounds like it sounds like Motley Crue meets a throaty speeder engine. Like it was, I thought it was really cool. Like it, it got my my the, my attention right off the hop. Did it grab you guys the same way? There, yeah, because it's there was a. I, I instantly was brought to the pod race feel theme kind of idea, which for me, you know, is a positive association. So yes, I liked it. Yeah, yeah like the, I, it, to is, me, this is yeah. Go ahead, Corey. It just seems so different. Like it's putting you again in the driver's seat right away like this is different like usually it's when you see lucasfilm it's always orchestral and mystical but this was just like wow like you're just like whoa this is different but I, like, yeah. I like what you said james there kind of almost puts you in that racing mindset right off the bat well th throughout this mm -hmm. trailer i mean this there's is something i could say for the end but throughout yeah, this the, trailer there's the a baseline. lot of speed a lot of like fast sequences in the in this if 90 second teaser, I think that's that's something that George Lucas definitely would have wanted for this movie, and I think Ron Howard followed through with that. And the continuous baseline if, too. Like if you were going to compare this, uh, so, sorry, go ahead, Corey. Well, just t touching back on like the music, kind of, you know what I mean? Like uh, 
like they had that awesome distorted guitar riff at the beginning or that power chord and throughout there was like this subtle like bass line that was just like 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 at the end you know like when it ended like there was this like ah it's it's deep man like i'd never heard that in star wars really before like it's it's definitely its own unique tone at least as yeah, far as that goes. And if you were going to compare it, to, for Star Wars it was, if you were going to compare it to other movie trailers, it was like, it reminded me of like um, Days of Thunder or Top Gun. Yeah. More than a Star Wars movie. I got you there. Like in terms of like the pump up music and lots of speed and like it was, like I'm not going to go so far as to say it was Bruckheimer-esque, is it, that, that's insulting, but it, it certainly had more of that like, you know, uh, pump you up feel than than like Corey said the orchestral uh, you know we're used to yeah well yeah it was a little bit of a fast furious vibe at least in that opening opening sequence i mean granted there was orchestral stuff in it as well but it like it was like such a a good melange of bruckheimer-esque was insulting fast and furious no 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 (laughs) just for that sequence it's ranger solo (laughs) yeah no i got you drifting that that speeder that that's a really cool looking speeder i mean we remember that from that that behind the scenes video or that I guess that bootleg video that somebody took with as they were watching. Yeah, like Ron, the, Ron tweeted the the steering wheel as well. Yeah, it's 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 still it's still giving me that seventies muscle car vibe. I love this thing. I'm I'm definitely whatever as many iterations of this speeder that I can get. I'm gonna be buying it. You know that that oh, nice. that, that whole little that imagery there of that chasing or and the way he's talking too. You know. I'm kind of vibing there or a similarity to who's that Ezra just in the sense where he's saying like I've been uh, running scams since 10 years old yeah running scams on the streets you know so like right away you kind of get a picture there that maybe Han Solo's upbringing wasn't all that great like maybe his family life was not there yeah yeah, I mean, I guess we'll get into a little bit, a little bit as we go forward here, but I, I think this opening sequence of shots with Han and Kira in the seat with them, I, I, I gotta believe this is from the prologue with a younger version of Han Solo. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that's him on the run. I, I you know, in my mind, as he's escaping from uh, that that big clunky speeder that we see chasing him, we saw a Lego set of that too with. Moloch. Uh, Moloch and Rebolt, I think, is part of that set as well, along with Corellian Hounds. So I think we can assume this is Corellia or part of it. And uh, you know, we see. I, did you? Oh, did you notice the gold dice in the yep. windshield? Yep. So he's had those for quite the long time. That's a really cool throwback. Yeah, I'm glad they included that. Um, and Kira in the passenger seat there with him. Like this, she's very. This I, I I've got questions about this girl about her role in all of this. Like she's sitting there in the front seat with him, and she kind of looks like she's thrilled. Like she's really enjoying this thrill ride that she's on with with Han Solo and getting into trouble with this kid. Um, so I I wonder if she's maybe a bit of a Vesper Lind type character, <laughs> like someone who Han will fall for, but really she's playing this long game with him of leading him into some sort of trap setting him up as a patsy of sorts. Well, I, I, I got to imagine there's, there's a lot more than meets the eye with this, with this character. Big time. And I mean, they wouldn't hire uh, an actress of her caliber as well. If it weren't for just some kind of like, uh, 
it's a pertinent role. Yeah, yeah, I could just I have that firm feeling that it's not just going to be a what a lot of people like to refer to as Mary Sue's or something like that. No, 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 come on. Like, there's definitely some some meat behind her character, and I definitely do see her. I don't know if I want to say love interest, but I mean, right off the bat, you're riding in a hot rod with a with a girl, you know, like. Han seems so young and brash. Like, I'm sure he's going to have a thing for her. And I, I like what you said. Like, I'll take it uh, in a different route with Italia Ghoul. Yeah, I'm not super familiar, but I yeah, think well, you I know, know what you're talking the, about. The Dark Knight, she kind of just jabs him in the side there. Like, he kind of falls for her and then oh. realizes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's. I think that's kind of accurate. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I totally see this opening sequence as... As Han, like the movie will open with Han trying to scam these guys, and they get he gets busted for it, and then hops into a speeder or steals that speeder and, and bolts, and there's a chase through through the streets and blah blah blah, and he's got the Empire on his tail at some point in this chase as well. Said I, I don't and, see this. I was kind of speculating at some point too that this might be him escaping the academy, maybe, but I don't think it that's could. It could be that. Yeah, my, my 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 guess is that it's you know there's a voiceover with him saying he's running scams, been running scams in the streets for ten years. I I think that's because he's on the run because one of his scams blew up in his face again. That's something that just happens to Han Solo, right throughout his life, <laughs> things just not just blowing up in his face for him. Well, that that's um, something that kind of, I mean this this could be like kind of a hot take. I haven't seen anyone talk about this yet, in regards to him enlisting in the empire like i think there's two ways of taking this at this point it might be that he actually did yes enlist in the empire and that's what he wanted to do when he wanted to be the best pilot in the galaxy but the way he says it it almost seems so sarcastic and and foolhardy almost like he's really almost trying to lay it on really thick like what if him enlisting in the empire at that point is just kind of to gain access at a later point in the game like if they need like he's like I'm, I want to enlist because he needs to get behind enemy lines at one point to get information or something like that. Well, we like, know at some point, or at least we believe at some point, he infiltrates the Empire. There's a Lego set of of uh, Han with Woody's character in Imperial uniform. So either they're they're both part of the Empire, le- legitimately, or they go undercover. And we, there's no indication in this teaser. Which is going? Which which is the truth here? Well, actually, wait. He also he says I got kicked out for having a mind of my own. So maybe maybe he did actually enlist. I don't know. Oh, I think he did. I if I had to guess, and it's really just a guess, I would say that after this chase, you know, he kind of ends up on his own, and Kira is gone, and he's he's got no no. There's nowhere left for him to go. He's got no family. He's got no friends. His 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 scams are all turning up dry. A guy needs a job, so uh, I guess I'll enlist. There's no- nothing left here for me to do. And maybe he figures out if I enlist, I can maybe escape after. Whatever. But I, th- I think that's how the prologue maybe ends with him enlisted. I don't know. It's it- it's exciting. I'm I'm curious to know how this is all going to play out. Yeah, it's, it's hard to, to put the sequence of events in order kind of at this point. But what we do know is what you just I'm alluded listening to. listening to you too. Oh, go ahead, James. Yeah, no, sorry. I'm... I'm- I'm just listening because you guys have more, a lot more peripheral information than I do when it comes to uh, like having read um, novels and stuff. I- I'm wondering, is, is there anything that in this preview that you guys got 
Um, like for example, we were talking about off air, Kyle, uh, maybe the nod in the flight that we'll probably get to later, that maybe the nod to Hera. Is there anything that you guys got that like you're picking up as, as, as coming from, from the books? Um, like Kyle, you said you knew that the Jedi or that Luke from the last Jedi, um, you know, you sort of could relate to where he was come from, coming from, from some of the stuff you read. So does this trailer have novels no, they, written on no, them? No, they haven't, um, they haven't released any material to support this movie yet they haven't even announced it which is sort of strange i, I got to imagine hmm. that's coming very okay. soon but i what they're doing what i sense here is I, I think they're pulling more from the eu discarded legends line for han's origin rather than george lucas's story which was raised by wookies kind of thing and he maybe he was raised by wookies and then ended up on corellia anyway but I, i'm getting the sense that they're following the legend's inspiration for Han's origin story here. Yeah. But I, I do want to see that play out. Uh, and then, yeah, next we get, um, well, we, we hear that he's been kicked out for having a mind of his own. Corey, you, you alluded to that. Um, and then we get to see this snowy planet. And we know there's at least three planets as settings for this movie. We know about um, Corellia, which I believe we just saw, and Mimban, and then there's also uh, Kessel. Now it's it's maybe there's others. I I got to imagine there's other environments here to, at play. But this snowy place, I don't know what world we're talking about here. I suppose it could be Kessel or Mimban, although it, it kind of defies the known description of of both places. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of going out on a, a limb here. I'm I'm looking at this and winter planet like. First of all, why would you want to be there if there's a galaxy of planets to choose from? You know, you could be anywhere, a warm climate or something. Uh, Han also wearing that fur coat, like it looks very almost primal. Like, I, I don't know, I'm getting a vibe that like he's either stuck there or there by choice and hiding. He's with Chewie at this point, so maybe he's busted Chewie out and they're kind of on the lamb, like just laying low. Like surviving off the land for a bit, because that's what it looks like. His jacket's made of like looks like either another Wookie or like something <laughs> they killed and like you know, shit, like just hodgepodge together almost. Well, I think we know that Han Solo kind of lives hand to mouth at this point. Do I do do we kind of have we always seen Han Solo that way? Like this guy never has any money in the bank. Like he's just always getting by by the skin of his teeth. No, I don't know. I'm just looking at the primitive nature uh, of his jacket. Yes. Like, it made me really think of something like uh, the way he's standing there looking out over the mountains. Like, it reminds me of something like, uh, from like an older movie, like as if I was watching something from like a Western. Oh, yeah, there's lots of lots of Western vibe through this. You know, you know take away the, the speeder stuff, uh, all the, the greedy industrial look of this. There's still some Western to take out of this. But James, you agree? Han Solo's sort of a um, paycheck to paycheck guy. I think I think that's going to be. Uh, <clears throat> I I thought before this preview that maybe we were going to see fallen uh, elite student or something like that. But from the way the trailer opens, I, I, I've thrown that out the window, and I think we're going to get like scoundrel since very young. Yeah, age. I, I was kind of a little disappointed in that. I I had always kind of hoped that Han had left the nest on good terms. But it looks like his upbringing was kind of, again, not all that great. 
Yeah, and then at the next shot, one of the, I guess one of the most more uh, attention grabbing shots in the trailer. But how about that clean looking, bright white Millennium Falcon? It's just that, so fresh and clean. <laughs> that it, was. It looks very Rebels. It does. It does to me. It really does make you wonder. I almost hope at this point that we do get some kind of explanation behind as to why it's so incredibly filthy by the time we see it just not only a few years later. I think we're just left to assume that Han is a total slob. Either that or the Falcon's like a complete lemon and he just ha- keeps having to repair it. But it's it's hard to imagine. I mean, unless we're looking at something different here, but it, it certainly appears this is the Falcon. Jeez, like, it, this thing is bright white. It is sparkling new right off the factory assembly line. And then a few short years later, it is scuffed up, lived in, disgustingly dirty. It's, it's, That's... it's, it's perfectly what you would expect from a smuggling scoundrel pirate. It's a complete wreck. But here, it... either it's brand new or Lando and his his group are meticulously clean people. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think Lando, the way his character portrayed, like we'll get to that, but uh, just Empire Lando, you see him like this is taking that throwback comment and amplifying it times 10. What did you do to my ship? (laughs) Remember when he's... (laughs) (laughs) If that's his first time... Like if we if we only get Lando in this movie, and then the next time we meet him on the timeline, or at least in Han's timeline, is in Empire, he's going to be shocked at what, what's what's become of the Falcon. Oh yeah, the, the, whatever happens in this story, there's there's no meeting there, there's no meeting in between after this. I think between those two characters, I think this is the moment where they don't know how to react toward one another when they see each other. They know that they 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 definitely have a falling out in this film. I would think, but they still at the same right respect one another. Yeah, I mean they're both kind of grifters, right? Yeah, I think like he like even in Empire, he's like Han's like I think we're friends, kind of. Yeah, I think Han is always more like, well, I didn't mean to screw you. I'm just trying to get by. And I whereas Lando, I think, kind of views that whole thing as as a bit of a game or a sport. Where I think in Rebels. Uh, yeah, Harris Rebel group spells kind of screws him a little bit, and he's like, "Nah, I'm so like he's he's kind of like smiling over it, like that. Ah, they got me." No, remember he he knows that he got them. Like they think that they got the the, the crew thinks they got the better of him because they stole his uh, his fuel supplies. But then he, you know, he knows that they stole his fuel supplies, so he's talking to his droid at the end, like like fair is fair, kind of. But yeah, but it's all all that to say, he still thinks of it. He still thinks it's all a game. Yeah, exactly, and he lives by the code, kind of. And if he if he ends up on the losing side of it, he's like, ah, he just kind of laughs it off and moves on to his next scam, or his next deal, or whatever it is. Anyway, so the next shot, kind of a cool one. It's 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 really really dark and and foggy, but it's Han looking up at the Falcon's cockpit area, and it, it's it's a really cool shot in that it, it reminds me of like a a kid looking at their first BMX and just. Ooh, I love this thing already. Yeah, that's either like the first time he sees the Falcon or the first time he realizes that he's now the owner. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. 
It, 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 yeah, it almost has that vibe as in it, it's, it's the first time I've seen it and I love this thing. But I, I got to imagine at this point it's there's more to it than that. Like he's been on this ship already. He's got but, the keys in, the, in his hand. Yeah. Ready to go. Uh, then we get our first look at Woody. Sweet talking Han into joining his group, which I got to imagine Woody. James, do you agree Woody is, is full of bad intentions for Han? I don't know if he's full of bad intentions for him. I, I, I haven't decided if I think he... I, I think he's going to screw him over. I just don't know if it's going to be um, a decision he makes as he goes along out of, like, convenience or if it's, like, the plan from the get-go. I don't know if he's, like... A, like I, I haven't decided if, if he's a bad guy that I shouldn't like right away or if he's just, you know, a, circum- a scoundrel of circumstance. What do you think? I, I think it's I think it's going to be a reversal. I think it's going to shine through in Han's character. I think he is going to try and screw him at one point and then realize that Han's like a good kid and kind of do the, the right thing, kind of like a Corso in, in Titan After Earth. Hmm. Yeah, because he is described as Han's mentor, right? Yeah, but it looks like almost in this scene that they're meeting almost for the first time, which is odd, unless they were in the academy together and got booted together maybe earlier on. Well, you figure that Woody, or I guess Tobias Beckett, we should call him, he's old enough that he, if he was going to be rebellious by nature, would have been thrown out much sooner, no? Not necessarily. Maybe he, him and Han had a, like a little bromance going on, and uh, you know, when Han did the right thing, he kind of stuck up for him or did something that ended up getting him kicked out as well. And maybe this is like the future of them meeting again. Yeah, Maybe. But you know, I still I think this kind of plays into my idea of Han being totally lost and wayward, because we know that it, it appears very much like Kira is already is with this group. Am I misreading that? Hard to know, but it looks like that. Uh, yeah, yeah it looks like she, she she almost looks like the mastermind in a way. <laughs> she very well could be. I mean, she's all over the trailer in different looks and seemingly in different environments. She's she's kind of highly placed. She could maybe be the villain of this like behind the scenes type thing i don't know this is it's very very interesting but what do we make of the look of of woody he seems to me like another paycheck to paycheck guy oh yeah big time definitely definite grifter loving his uh, his wardrobe i love the the long coat even his hair don't <laughs> i don't want to i hope this doesn't sound i mean this in a nice way but he he sort of looked a little water world-esque to me hmm he was Waterworld meets his, but not in a bad way. He he, he almost looks like he took some inspiration from the Bill Murray character in uh, Kingpins with the floppy hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another way to go. You know, first impression. You might have one upped me on your insultingness. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say like just his look. I guess it's more the trench coat or the long coat, whatever you want to call it. But just I think it had something to do with the music as well. And I thought initial reaction, and then online uh, with our our group and. The talk Star Wars group, I'd heard people say the word Blade Runner 2049, and I was like, yes, yes. Like, I was getting that vibe too, you know? But what do you make of the this meeting place, wherever they are, whatever planet they are? Like, there's there's some ancient ruins there, which looking pretty cool to me, man. This, this almost looks, looks Jedi-esque in a way with these symbols on the, uh, on the thing, although I don't think it'll have much to do with a greater plot. Like, imagine they were on Acto or something like that. Wouldn't that be something? Um, I think it's just, it's scenery, and it's just sort of very subtle world building. 
And, but no doubt somebody has already tried to look through the different languages of Star Wars and tried to translate something. No, no doubt. doubt that's already happened. Well, I had a good look when I saw it and I freeze-framed it. I, I, I kind of like looked at it. I was like, hmm, does anything pop out to me, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure this place is something and maybe we'll learn about it someday. But I, I kind of hope it's just there and they don't talk about, oh, we're standing on the sacred grounds of an old Jedi temple. Like there would be no reason to do that, I don't think. I just So I just kind of hope they let us wonder what that place is. Uh, and then we get, a, I guess, a little montage of his crew. And we get to, we get a look at Kira in that sick looking white uniform with the big red cape with the with the black collar. Yeah, that's she that, looks that's boss, man. That looks daunting. I, I I'm I'm almost kind of thinking she's either playing a role there because the Falcons in the background, or that's her true character because she almost looks like a a, a Sith Lord. There's almost like a, a Phasma Krennic mashup there. And Darth Ravon. Yeah, I guess. It's just the cape, I guess. The red cape. I don't know. James, what do you make of that look? Again, it's it's another look in, in a bunch of different looks for this character. Um, I thought all the looks were really stuck in it. We were talking about this a little bit off air. It's funny. It's... I have sort of two really opposing opinions of how it looked, but for me, they both work. Like I, on the one hand, I, I thought there was something really old school about the costume design and um, even like the creatures, which we'll talk about at the end. Uh, but at the same time, when I saw Dave's comment about how the trailer had a very sort of Rebels animation style look to it, I agree with that too, um, which I also liked. So. There isn't there isn't much I didn't like about the look of of anything and just quickly to come back to uh, to Woody Harrelson when I when I see it the Waterworld it's what it made me think of but I don't mean it in a in a like it looked out of place way I just think he's got a unique look like his his look is distinct which is yeah, good sure. he's just gonna hey, be a standout just character just because you know? Waterworld bomb man like doesn't mean it was a horrible film even though it wasn't really all that great but it had a really decent story to it let's not talk about Waterworld either way. <laughs> I like what you just said there, James, in the sense, uh, touching back again on Rebels, where I got the, the Ezra vibe at the kind of the beginning. I'm getting it again here where Tobias is kind of just like putting together a crew. It's almost like that Ocean Eleven thing that we were talking about back in the day, too. Like, he, he's kind of assembling the best of the best, and I think Han's going to be the pilot dude that they need. That could I, be. Like, I, yeah. I'm, you know, I guess what we're all doing now is trying to piece all this together. How does this all work? And I... I keep coming back to Kira as sort of the point person. So once Han is out of the academy, and he, again he's back on his own, left to fend for himself, maybe Kira has kept tabs on him this whole time. Maybe she's got one foot in the door with the Empire, and she goes, "Oh, I know this guy. He just got kicked out of the Empire." And so she pulls him in very subtly to Woody's group. I keep calling him Woody. I probably will keep calling him Woody, but she pulls him into all this and says, "Hey." Yeah, Talk to this guy. Maybe maybe you want to join us again. It, it seems to me like she's leading Han down this very slippery slope. Well, uh, either way, whatever she's wearing in that one shot with the red cape, it's either uh, to me, it's either got to be some kind of ruse or again, like uh, it's either secret. a costume, it's either a disguise or her true colors coming out. Yeah, and if it's her true colors, like. E <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. It, it, right behind her, we see um, the Phoebe Waller Bridge droid L three three seven. That droid looks I, awesome. Yeah. What do you? What, <clears throat> what? 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 What is it about this droid that makes it look so different? Like obviously the the, sh- the shape and stuff, but like it doesn't it doesn't look like it moves like anything we've seen. It's a good question. Like it, it just it looks really different, but it, it looks it still looks Star Warsy. I'm me. not saying it doesn't look like it fits. Absolutely, but it's just something very. Um, I guess I, I'll say it again. Rebels about this droid, but it, it's brand new, you know, or at least I haven't seen it before or anything like it. I don't know. I'm very intrigued by the droid. I want to know more. Yeah, I, I, we. Kyle and I have been talking about this offline for a while now, but kind of, uh, I'm big on the robots. Robots. <laughs> with the robots. Robots. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, I think in this new era of Star Wars, the droids have been very key. You think about uh, K2SO and BB-8, this could be the next in line. There's a lot of focus on the droid as the sidekick. And they, they seem to be putting a lot of life into those characters. And more, like... Obviously, they have very, very uh, important templates to lean on in 3PO and R2, but they're not backing away from that. The droids are still really important in this era. I, I love that, man. Like, uh, I think the, there's so much versatility with those characters. Like, they can each have their own personality, you know? Yep. Uh, and how about how about Lando? Dan, uh, Donald Glover as Lando. He's got that smirk. He's, he looks just suave as all get out. How about stealing the trailer? Like, Childish Gambino. Well, everybody's Glover. freaking out, right? Like, James, what, what are Everybody. your thoughts on seeing Lando? Like, it's almost like Han has taken a back seat to all these other cool characters. Uh, well, that's sort of true. But then again, I don't think they have to do any um, pushing of Han to make him cool. And, you know, this is also teaser one. So I think Han will be front and center. I mean, the movie's called Solo. I think Han will have no problem being front and center. So I don't know that I'm surprised that they're pushing the other ones. Um, Am I shocked that everybody loves Childish Gambino as Lando? Absolutely not. He looks awesome. The guy's super cool. He seems to, like, own every role he takes on. So I'm, I'm super. He might be the guy I'm most excited about to see in the movie. Yeah, that, that, that's what I mean, man. Like, I think he really stole the trailer in that regard because when I saw it, I was like, oh, my, my, my. Especially the teaser trailer. I was like, <gasps> that fur coat, like the lightning going off. It was almost like people were taking photos of him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, he's, he's got it nailed. He's got it nailed. He's, he's, I think this guy might be the standout of this movie. And I, people probably called this as soon as Donald Glover was named as Lando. Right? Like, people just said, oh, I'm going to see the movie just for this. Like, he's going to kill it. And it looks like he's absolutely going to steal the show. He's super talented, man. Oh, yeah. He is. He really yep. is. And likable. Like, every time I see the guy, whatever it is, interviewed or in the role, like, I, he's super likable. Yep. Agreed. Uh, Tandy Newton. We get to love see her. A, a look at her character with that blaster and a bunch of yeah. hoses coming out of her. She looks pretty I love cool. It. It's, she looks like Space Pam Greer. Yeah, like Foxy <laughs> Brown, man. And then there's a, I want to see more of her. Yeah, what's not to like? Yeah, I, I mean, there's, a, there's that scowl on her face, right? I just, I hope she's no nonsense and really violent. I hope she just, I hope she's almost like this movie's version of, of Baze, where she just likes to shoot that gun. 
I think that's the next character. But yeah, she definitely... When you look at the crew together, okay, like Han... I'm saying Han's the pilot. Lando's almost kind of like, oof. To me, I think he's just in it for the money. Like, he could be a financier. Uh, Beckett seems to be, like, the leader. But not so... I don't think he's really the leader. I think Kira's kind of really pulling the strings behind the scene. Quite possible. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I I, I see, like, the plot um, utility of that. But I... I, I just don't see um, Woody Car- Woody Harrelson's character t- like taking orders from someone. No, I don't know. what if he? I'm th- maybe he gets played too. Oh yeah, okay. In that sense, maybe if she's if like Kyle said, she's the, she's the ultimate sort of bad guy yeah. in the movie. Then maybe yeah. And then we get, we get a quick shot of a little tiny alien. Yeah, it I looks love like it. it's hopping into the a, a gunner's a gunner's chair somewhere. Maybe? Yeah, it's it's the Falcon's gunner chair, man, and it's never it's freshly never been used, man. Like they push, she like pulls the or she or it, her him whatever, pulls the tarp off it. Like this is like a freshly gun like never used gun turret. And it looks it, again, it looks very different, right? Yeah, I guess kind of. Yeah, it's not the gun turrets we see from a new or at least the the. The, the 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 whole well looks different. Like I have trouble identifying that as the Falcon. It looks really really different. Well, at least Real, I we, think it's. I, I'm guessing it's the Falcon anyhow. But it just looks like another crew member. I can't make out who's behind them. I think it's Beckett. Yeah, it's too tough to tell. Yeah. The next shot. I think you can. We can connect a dot or two with the next shot. We we see Han uh, from behind looking into what looks like. Mass's Tavern. Well, that would be awesome if it was Mass's Tavern. No. No, I don't think it's Canto Bite. I think it's it's some sort of shady little pub, but I think I'm guessing at this. If you if you look back at that that Lando shot where everything kind of has an orangish haze, yellow light, yellowish tint to the whole picture, so does this. And I, I wonder if this is Han walking up to this table of of scoundrels and saying, "Hey guys, deal me in." And this is this is the game. A game of sabak going on that eventually Han will win through either fair or unfair methods to win the Falcon. And I think that's, that snarky smirk on Lando's face is sort of, yeah, this is, he sees Han almost as like a fish. And he's I like, like yeah, that. yeah, deal this kid in. Like, we're going we're gonna to just wring this kid dry. And instead, Han's going to take the Falcon from him. I don't know if it ends like that because it looks like they team up in this, right? Yeah, but again, it could be all all's fair in in love and war with Lando. I think you win the Falcon for me, uh, especially if he doesn't know he got cheated right away. If he thinks he just legitimately lost it, he might not be so annoyed as as he is when he finds out that you know Han had six aces up his sleeve. Yeah, maybe that's. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. When you think like, back to that that line in Empire, <laughs> when. They're talking about the Falcon and, hey, you lost it to me fair and square. And there's that lingering look that Lando gives Han. As in, like, he knows, like, yeah, you're full of BS, man. Yeah, he gives him the sideways glance. Because <laughs> he knows, like, at the end of the movie, once once Han makes off with the Falcon, maybe Lando then kind of uncovers or finds, like, a, a, a hidden card under the table that, that Han had kept all this time. Oh, that son of a bitch. He was cheating the whole time. But he has that. I bet you anything, it's kind of like that Yondu moment from Guardians 1 where... 
You know, when he opens the thing and the infinity stone's not there and it's a troll. And he smiles. He's like, he got me. I love that kid. He's been, he's been trained up well. Uh, then we get a look at Chewie, my boy, with the double bandolier belts looking badass. Ooh, yeah. Loving that. Look, Almost looking like he's got, like, almost grenades in there, right? He's, he's packing. He's packing heat, man. I really hope we finally get to see a really unhinged... Well, not unhinged. He's. I just want to see Chewie really smash a few things in this movie. I do too, but I definitely want to see sensitive Chewie. I want to see, you know... Well, we did. We saw that in the teaser, right? The, the, yeah, during the he Super reaches Bowl. out. You're right. He reaches out and puts his hand on Han there. There's, there's sensitive Chewie for you. He's like, friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we see uh, a shot of L337 and Lando in the cockpit of the spanking, <gasps> sp- brand spanking new Falcon. Dude, that I think is one of the coolest. Sh- it's not only uh, like that's why they put two photos here in this in this link that we're looking at, but that is I think is one of the most coolest shots in the entire. Uh, it took me a while to kind of get there, but after seeing it like five times, I was like, again, Donald Glover just being so cool, looking over, double fingered salute, and both the robot and him are doing it together. Like, it's just so chill, relaxed, cool, like. I don't know what to say about that scene. It just looks so suave and slick. Well, when you know, when you look at this droid, I think what looks familiar about it is that it's very, there, there is a lot of astromech to it. Look at the domed head. And there's like the a little... The chest plate. The chest plate still has like those little vents and grills in it. And look at the arms. They're exactly like R2 struts. Yeah, with the hydraulic pumps there or whatever. So this is just an upright yeah, I guess they made it just familiar enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, that's probably what it is. It's just familiar enough that I'm like, I really like this, and I don't know why. There's yeah, there's little. It's like when you it's like when you date that girl, and you're like, she's so hot, and your friends meet her, and, and they're all like, oh my god, man, she looks just like your mom. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but did you guys notice that that little flick of the wrist there with the two fingered salute? To... Yeah, it's the same. It's the same salute that uh, Lando gives Han in Jedi. Exactly, and it's just so, ah, so good. Yeah, and I'm I'm still getting a kick out of this Falcon, which is just mint condition everywhere. A lot of focus in this trailer on, like button pushing and and switch flicking. Yeah, and Hans hearing like... that clicking sound, right? Like it's it seems very sequential and organized in the way they attack it, as opposed to Han in the OT, where he's just like really sloppy with the way he he manages his way around that the dashboard and all that stuff yeah smashing things and <laughs> i made a, a few special modifications myself mm-hmm. and then we see a, a shot of the falcon jumping to light speed with lando in the captain's chair and then we cut ahead to that fancy nightclub type place which i i'm, I'm gonna guess is belongs to paul bettany's character and there's that seems really, real, right the rare there, there she is He's again the collector he, yeah, Kira in an, in another new look, and look looking really surprised. Like, what are you doing here? Like, it just how, or or what are you doing here already? Yeah, there's there's something about this character. Like, she, I don't I don't know whether to trust her or not. Yeah, this this place looks really I don't know. It looks scandalous. Like, this does not seem like a place you would find Han Solo. This is way too high rent for Han Solo. 
Yeah. L- I mean, look at the singer. Did you did you catch the singer? Like, kind of like tripped me out right away when I saw it. I was like, wow, that's like wild, man. Like that gold. I don't know if it's a creature or a hologram or whatever it is. And then beside her as well, singing is a head in a jar. <laughs> Taken straight out of The Simpsons. A floating head in a jar. Um, yeah, again, Kira, I don't trust you. And then no, I she, think- lo- she looks like she's in that in that one like freeze frame shot. She's like busted. Yep. I think that's the moment too where she tells him, uh, you know, like I. I'm the only one who knows who you who you are, no? Yeah, and what I like about that is is Han, you know he's putting on a brave face. Like there's a look and I think it speaks to maybe Alden's acting here. Or maybe or maybe I'm just misreading it. But she's like, Yeah, I I I'm the only one who knows who you truly are or what you truly are. And he's just looking at her going, Yeah, what's that? And he's like you see him swallow hard as in like he's I'm putting on a brave face, but I know you see right through me. Yeah. Please I totally got that vibe me. too. And it wasn't the first time that uh, around that I got that vibe, but again, I've seen it a few times, and I was like right away, like focusing in on that. Yeah, big time, I get that vibe. Like he's nervous. James, is that a clean sweep? Agreed. All right, check, check, check. <laughs> and then what I, I think might be my favorite shot of the trailer, that very, very, very the pinnacle of western type shots. Like the pistol eye view of the DL44 being unclipped. That is, that Come on, guys. You, you both stood up at full attention when that happened, right? Yeah, pretty much. I was like, <laughs> um, like, there's one question done from the Powerful Friends quiz. But was my question, does he have it or how do we see how he gets it? I forget or what the if question it's even, is. If it's even in the movie, I think, because we've seen some of the fan art prior that he wasn't carrying the same gun. I, don't, I, don't, I can't well, remember what the you first, asked. I think the first photo that Lord and Miller tweeted out or Instagrammed way back when they first started production was a picture of the DL-44 on a console in the Falcon. So we knew he had it. Hmm. If, I, if, I, if my question is, does he have it? It's a dumb question because we, we already knew and I just forgot. Um, I hope the question is, do we see how he gets it? That's That's an interesting thing, too, is uh, I think I've seen fandom kind of just throwing this back and forth all day is will Han shoot first? This is the throwback, right? Is that really a callback to that? Looks like it. We see all these savages in the background, right? Who who are these people? Right? Like we see them. They've all they all look very brutish and primitive. And Mad Max-ish. Yeah, exactly. Very Mad Max-ish. But they've all, yep. they're have all they all armed to the teeth. And there's just Han with his little blaster. So, And you actually, you can see them looking out towards the sea. So something's coming from that direction. Whether it's something to bail out Han from a bad situation, that remains to be seen. But right now the focus is on these guys. And they're, they're, they're frightening looking, man. Like we get a close-up of their, of their lead boss. And the first thing I looked at, and this I know this is already reaching too deeply, but look at that eyepiece and the mouthpiece. That looks a lot like Kylo Ren to me. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, you, you know, you say that, and one of the first things that comes to my mind when I was seeing those scenes and even the attack too, like this is a real reach, but just 
the next shot after, just the, the hat the guy's wearing seemed very um, Force Awakens flashbacky to me almost. Well, I don't want to say it's it's that it's too crazy, right? Like, look at the weapons some of these guys are holding. I mean, I know there's a lot of blasters in the mix, but the lead guy, he's holding a very heavy-looking type weapon that is not out of place with the Knights of Ren from that flashback. And I'm not saying these guys are Knights of Ren, but maybe they they inspire. Like, can, can we imagine Kylo assuming a, a look from these guys just to like, maybe haunt his dad who he hates so much? I don't know. I'm, hmm, I'm sure that's a bit of a itch. reach. Actually, I never even thought about that like that. That's a pretty cool take on it. But I mean that that eye something piece, that, that mouth guard like or that that mouth covering that I mean come on did you have to choose silver like, with a black eye slit like that really evokes Kylo Ren to me am I nuts no that's not nuts at all I didn't see it until you said it but now I can't like I can't not see it yeah it's 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 bizarre but anyway it, it's it's Han against some really bad odds which is why whatever they're looking off to the left into the sea about. It's probably Han's salvation. At least I hope it is. Oh, that that is pretty insane. Like, even think of it like this in a, in a way. Like, at a point, Kylo's so powerful in a way, and kind of reads Han's like deepest, darkest like fears, and sees that within them, you know, and like kind of brings that to life in Kylo Ren. Well, that's that's yeah, that's exactly what I'm kind of thinking about. It was, that's was Kylo crazy. Ren here to torment his father to always be a con like I mean, now think about Han when he says take off that mask like he doesn't, Han doesn't want to see that who knows maybe I don't know what these people are going to do or what role they play in the movie but they seem they seem pretty tough anyway we've got a couple quick shots of, a, of somebody taking out a couple of guard droids or so it seems accessing something and we, we see another shot of L337 and then Han piloting another type of craft, and we saw pre-production photos of this craft, this like three-pronged, very shaky-looking craft, and it's piling up, piloting up and away from some mountains, and it looks like it's dropping a, a, like a train car. We saw the, the the teaser during the Super Bowl with that double-sided train car zipping through the mountainside, right? And I, it that was so like, cool. It, it looked like a roller coaster the way it was like twirling like that kind of twisting. yeah like that that sequence is going to be really really cool um but yeah it looks like whatever the craft han is piloting you know he's grabbed a piece of the train and is flying away with it here and they kind of release it right and it looks like it's going to blow up in a couple seconds here uh, another shot of han and kira and then han piloting that that three-pronged craft and yeah, then we he, get... he's struggling there Oh yeah, best best pilot in the galaxy. <laughs> and then the title card, which strangely some people are complaining about. That's not strange. People do like to complain. Oh, that's true. That's true. But what did you guys think of say that, that title card? The way it's animated, like each letter is sort of spinning individually. It's it's not very Star Warsy in the way they animated it. But it, I mean, obviously, it looks very Star Wars. It looks very tumbling saber. That's why I like it so much. I think. But uh, what, do you, what do you guys make of that title card? Well, I think, think the title in general. I didn't hate it. It's short and sweet, right? I mean, you got the word solo, 
let's wrap it up like that, man. Come on. Sure. And again, like people who are saying that maybe there's a Rebels vibe to this trailer, I think this title card, again, plays into that. It's a- That's probably part of it. Yeah. 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 You're right. You're right. Because very- I was thinking for a second there, too, like if this movie's going to be so different, they could have done something like uh, what Thor did this time around with that 80s Tron Cut vibe. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, they're taking a different tack, which which I kind of like. But yeah, this is it's a very clean, very simple logo. There's no shading or... or- I guess there's a there's subtle lighting to it, but it doesn't look like they've they've given it like too much treatment in that regard. But I like it. I do like it. And then we get sort of a few bonus shots, a couple, and I guess some real money shots here of the Star Destroyer in that vortex, that cloud, space cloud, which looks really cool. And again, that looks very Rebels to me. Exactly. Again, like that's. I think we've had at least two solid episodes where we've gone into nebulae, whatever you want to call it, uh, star clusters and whatnot in Rebels. So, yeah, I, I'm 100% there with you, man. And this is this is what I'm hoping for most of all in this movie. I just want to see this sleek-looking Falcon just dialed up to 11. That's what I want. I want this thing zipping and flying all over the place. I want the top-of-the-line effects making this thing more badass than we've ever seen it before. I really it, hope we get that. I, I know I've seen speculation about this all day, and I know you're probably bring it up, but is it is it safe to assume or is it likely to assume that this, what we're witnessing right there, is the Kessel Run? I think so. I think this is part of it. Wow. And and you know what's kind of interesting too? You know what? This, I think, makes the Kessel Run that much more interesting now. Is the whole, we're, we're, we're everything's fine now. We're fine now, which is a, a throwback. Yeah, we'll, well, we'll touch back on that line in just a second. But um, yeah, like the, remember back to the Super Bowl teaser, right? They had like the, the full on frontal shot of the, of the, Star Destroyer emerging from that cloud. This is a, a very different looking shot, but we see the TIE Fighters in pursuit. And what, do you, what do you make of these TIE Fighter variants with the guns mounted to the side instead of under? I like it. You know, a lot of people say that. Merchandising, merchandising. Exactly. They're just trying to make <laughs> toys and whatever, but it's nice to they see different like TIE Fighters. They don't as well in atmosphere. What's that, James? They don't look like they would perform as well in atmosphere. Yep. But they're different. I like different. Yeah, I like they're... there's so many variations on the cool. tie. So it's unending, man. There yeah, used to be I like, like three. There used to be like the standard, the the interceptor, interceptor. and Interceptor. Yep. <laughs> oh, and the tie bomber. But now there's oh boy, if you try to list them all off, you'd probably run out of ink in your pen. Um. Yeah. So there's a handful of starters, uh, tie fighters chasing the Falcon, and then we got a group, the group in the cockpit, and they look. Sp- Spooked, man. As Haunt kind of zips and zags through space debris. And again, exactly what I was what I was hoping for from this trailer. Looks pretty pretty slick, right? Yeah. Super slick. That's the right word. I I've been using it all day. But, and that was I only saw the this trailer just before we started recording. Um I, I was talking about the uh, the the teaser teaser, which also has a slick look, but I think 
I think they did just the right amount of uh, of teasing, and and I'm not. You were you were saying, Kyle, that you thought once these came out, people would be complaining that we have too much. Do you think they gave too much? Mm, no, I don't think so. Not yet, but I'm surprised that they gave us which what I believe here to be part of the Kessel Run. I thought they maybe they would have wanted to hold that back as much as possible, but they gave us a, a nice big spoonful of it. I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like yeah, they gave I, us a nice big dollop of it. But, it, but how about that spin move, though? Fair enough. A spin move where he swats the Falcon, or where he, yeah. swats, he swats a TIE Fighter just like Corey? Hera? Yeah. And that, I mean, come on, that's no accident, right? I would think not. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. Like, it, it's Hera. Like, they they already have a rivalry. It's been established in Forces of Destiny. And I don't know, Hera's right up there in pilots for me, man. Well, I I think you know we were talking about this before you joined joined the call before James and I. Lucasfilm, even like official Lucasfilm employees, have sort of stoked that fire a couple times online and saying, "Ah, oh, what do you think the best pilot is?" And people go nuts. And nowadays, everybody's saying Hera. I think Han may have something to say about that in this movie. It's Hera. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, either way, I, I th- well, I think Hera is always in more control, whereas Han is willing to try something maybe a little bit more reckless, and it's totally seat of his pants. Yeah, totally seat. Like Hera's been, I wouldn't say reckless, but calculated. But she's definitely taken some big risks with that ship. No doubt. But, but anyway, I, that that move. Okay, but I think it's from the Force Awakens. It's clearly Poe. Just conversation over. From TFA? You think TFA sealed that for you? That scene where he defies all known laws of physics and just completely destroys that. It's even better, I think. It's more impressive than what he does in The Last Jedi, no? I think it's the most impressive piloting we ever see on in Star Wars. Oh, when he shoots know. down those 11 TIE fighters? Yeah. That is really... Yeah, in a tight space and in rapid succession, I think that the, is, I think that's the pretty tie, sick. I think the TIE fighter thing is more impressive... Because the, the guns on a ship kind of seem more video game to me. Though, I would like... Hmm. I don't know. I think you get extra points for doing what you do with a freighter, like the Ghost or the Falcon. And you just should not be allowed to do that. Whereas an X-Wing is... That's is, true. Ray does a pretty nice job with that thing through the uh, the grounded uh, Star Destroyer. She does. Absolutely. Chewie does a good job. Through, <laughs> through the that, minds of Crate. Through the minds Incredible of Crate. Go- even though maybe Ray it's just her... the Falcon is just easy to fly. Yeah, maybe she just handles really well. Oof, I don't know. There's got to be some kind of mechanisms there that kind of like keep you away, like magnetism or something that pushes you away from objects. But man, Ray's freaking out, man, when they're in the, in the cave. She's like, Joey, like several times because like her gun's just like rattling up against the wall. Yeah. No, I love that part. Um, yeah. And how, how about that giant space creature? Well, that's what I was going to say, touching back earlier there. You know, everyone's talking about the Kessel Run. Oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. Less than 12 parsecs. Why is that? Okay, so we got these space anomalies. That's, again, a throwback to the EU. The legend stuff kind of hearkened on that in that uh, around surrounding Kessel, there were uh, like these spatial black holes or anomalies in space these nebulae, whatever it was, we don't know yet. 
but it's something freaky, so you kind of got to play your cards right and fly the chartered space routes. Well, wasn't the so idea look- with, with the castle run in the EU is that the the shorter the route you wanted to take, the more dangerous it got with these yeah. giant creatures and black holes in it and stuff like that? Well, I didn't. I can't remember anything about the creatures, but that's my hypothesis now in the sense that, okay, like Han's like calculating what, sorry? my hypothesis. Sorry. Oh, okay, so continue. Anyhow, um, like these space creatures, I think like that's going to be a part of the the mystery of the Kessel Run, where where people are like, you can't do that, you can't run it in less than this or this or that. Never and tell Han's me like, the yeah, odds. Watch me, yeah. Never tell me the odds. Watch this. I I, I charted this awesome awesome uh, flight path, and people are going to be like, okay, that's cool, but what about these? Whatever this this creature is, like. Whatever it is, like, what about these things? Well, do they Those even are know? just a myth? Like, well, that's the thing. Like, I can see Han saying right away, like, a throwback again to the Jedi almost in a way where he's like, that's just a myth. Like, they don't exist. Like, come on, get your your head out of your butt there, you know? Like, those things. Like, do you think a uh, an organism that's the size of a moon exists? Like, come on. Living like, in like space. Like a space slug in an asteroid? But this thing looks like the size of a moon. It honestly does, man. If that's just one tentacle, like, that's a lot of space, man. Dude, this thing looks huge. And it's part of what made me say it looks old school. Like, that looked like an old school Star Wars scene where a a big monster was reaching in space for a spaceship that was trying to outfly it. Like, that's classic Star Wars movie fun like i i yeah, buy like, into that like 100%. feeding off this like cluster of black holes or whatever it is like just uh hidden amongst those whatever it is these like i i just th- see han like pushing the limit and just flying as close as he can and getting in like involved with something like this in the, like it's just like a double whammy it's like a doubling down of the kessel run kind of yeah, I mean, it they're, looks they're, awesome. They're pu- yeah, they're pulling on like those old tales from the sea with with the pirate vessel going yeah, going through the sea and yeah. the, the, the kraken comes out. Like that could be that's this kind of good, throwback. Yeah, that's a really good it way. It looks of looking like at a kraken. Cool. That's a cool way of looking at it, actually. But I, what I'm gl- I'm glad about seeing this because it's it's that Star Wars tradition of monsters, right? Where one of the things yes. missing. I mean, George Lucas put it in all of his movies without hesitation. They were they were everywhere. Wampas and Rancors and Dianogas and you name it. They were monsters were in all of his movies. And then we it seems like the new era has struggled with the use of monsters. They've tried to put them in. We've got Rathtars, which again yeah. don't don't work so well for me. Um but Ryan Johnson did I don't think they used them at all in TLJ. Well they had that like uh Ryan Johnson that knocked one it out of the, park. of the sea monster there. Yeah, you see a sea monster on Acto, but does that count? Of course. I remember James and I looked at each other during that scene in theater where we kind of like nudged each other's elbows like, sea monster, yay. <laughs> that doesn't count, I was though. excited. I like monsters. No, we like, like monsters. They're cool as hell, but they've always played a part in the movie. In, in The Last Jedi, there was there was no monsters at all, really. No, but there was beautiful creatures. Oh, yeah, no, no. That played a part, no. Yeah. monsters, but like the three main animal characters that he gave us were absolutely incredible because he didn't overuse Porg. The Vulptex were no, super they were, of cool. Course, they were absolutely cool. All three of them were and, cool. But yeah, there's always cool. been the monster. There's always been that beast in all the movies. And even Rogue One, I don't think, had it. Except for the shoehorned Borg Gullet. Meh. 
Kylo Ren. You're he, a monster. I am. And maybe that was Ryan Johnson, right? Being Trying to be clever. That I did include a monster. His name's Kylo Ren. He even says so. Oh, you're probably right. And that, yeah. that's Ryan Johnson trying to be the smartest guy in the room. That's the guy I, would be, I was afraid of. <laughs> Thank God that he didn't try. Well, at least for me, didn't hurt me any further. Um, yeah, and then there's that line, core that you talked about a, a few seconds ago. Uh, I thought we were in trouble there for a second, but we're fine. Everything's fine. And there's two ways to take that line, right? It's a, it's a throwback to uh, the, the, the... A New Hope. A New Hope, the, the prison scene. And it's also a little bit of snark at the world who everybody thought that this movie was doomed because of the directorial drama. That's so have, true. I never looked at it like that either. That's kind of a good take. So you have people kind of, Han Solo saying, hey, guys, hey, world, this movie's fine. See? We're all fine here. Thank you. So anyway, that's, I like that. <laughs> there's two ways to take that. Maybe it has, maybe, maybe that's the genius of that line is that it works on multiple levels. But is is that does that bother you? Does that line bother anybody at all on either either level? Um, nope. if that's a sign as to what's to come, because that line of any of the lines that could have been done to to account for a, th- uh, a memorable throwback, like we know we're getting the dice, but there's a lot of like good stuff that they can hearken on, and if that's one of them, eh. You know what I mean? I get it, and I think it's great, and it's funny, and all that. But I think there's a lot of other stuff that they can put out there. So, well, whatever it is they know. do, I just hope they just—if that's it, leave it at that, please. Yeah, like, like don't overdo it. But like that's what makes me confused a bit. It's like why choose that line? Like you know, there's so many other perfect Han lines that I'm sure could have worked their way into the script. Well, I don't know. I think that one's okay. It's 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 subtle enough, but. It's okay. Yeah, fine. That's why you just said it. <laughs> Here's the thing with that stuff, though. You're going to have two schools of thought on all of the, every nod and every fan, piece of fan service. There's some people who are going to like it and think they, that was the right piece and that was the right one for them. And then other people are going to go, oh, too much. And, oh, you know, that, that always is divisive, I find, when they, when they try to do that stuff. Yeah. You, they, can't, they gotta, you can't please everyone. No, you really can't. Like you Something like that be... is kind of blatant. And I hope they don't do too much blatant stuff. And we'll we'll talk more about that later in, in the binary sunset. But there'll be other stuff that will be recontextualized, I think. We're looking ahead into the into the OT that will be of our own doing. But uh yeah, I mean I guess we'll talk about that more in a in hundred and eight days. It's coming fast, guys. We can start we we can almost resume the countdown soon. I'm kind of getting adjusted to it, too, in a way. You know, I always said that I'd be sick of two Star Wars movies so close together or two in a year or whatever it is. What? But when did you say that? You said you would be... You never said you would be sick of two Star well, Wars Well, I think, I think it, would, it gets a possibility that it can get old quick. I'm, I wouldn't be sick of it. What but I remember you saying was, I'm pretty sure that this next one will be the best movie of them all. That was the comment for the last one. From The Last Jedi? And then your next comment was... Yeah, I still don't. I, Before I, I it came won't. out, you said I'm pretty sure it's going to be the best one. And, I th- and then after arguably, that, you said, <laughs> I think arguably it is. Okay, but so what part of that is I'm going to be sick of two Star Wars movies <laughs> in the same year? <laughs> I think it's a lot. If, okay. if they do it year after year, I just two, missed it. two movies I missed a when year. You said that. That that's a lot, man. <laughs> two two movies a year is a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. I, I I'm okay. I'm okay with one a year. That's fine with me. <clears throat> anyway, that that brings us to the end of the trailer. 
Um, we, we, like I said, we, we skipped the teaser here, but just a couple of quick shots that I thought were, were pretty standout-ish. You guys let me know if there's any others that kind of jumped out at you. Uh, Lando, Train battle. The, Lando in the strobe light with the big fur coat. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's a strobe light. It almost looks like he's looking up at that space anomaly or something. Like I said, it looked like cameras going off, just taking photos of him because he looks just so magnificent. But exactly. He just, it, Wow. Like, put that on a poster. Look at, look at Lando, man. It's amazing. But him, too. It almost looks like he came to that to winter planet to get Han. Like, get, got to get my space for his own. Uh-huh. And then there's that bet, shot, right? What, that, that speeding what, mountain train zipping through the mountains with that steampunk, Renish, Knight of Ren-ish samurai on top of it fighting somebody. Who, was that Beckett? Beckett. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. That can't go well for Beckett. Eh, yeah. I mean, those guys look rough. Any, do you think there's any potential of those guys having any force powers? Hmm. That'd be kind of cool. Just like a real brute, like unknowing in an unknowing way. Like I'm so angry. Boom. And everyone's just like, Whoa, gets like thrown back. Like what if he's actually, what if he's maybe, I mean, that would have to be uncovered in, in some sort of comic or tie in novel. But what if they were like almost like a, a, a fallen Jedi leading that group or something or a, a, a a straggler Jedi who's kind of gone dark and violent. Yeah. Darth Ravon. Gonna re- bring him back, man. I don't know. I, I, I'm just throwing poop at the wall again, as I tend to do, but I, I would imagine they're not very Force-sensitive, if at all, but you never know. Like They could be the guys who maybe pull some kind of trick which lead Han to, leads Han to say, ah, that, 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 was, that was some sort of nonsensical trick. We got, we, I think we got to see a little bit of that. There, there's one thing as far as nod, nods go and fan servicey stuff. When, when we see Han deny the Force exists in A New Hope, when there's a Jedi on board with him and uh, an up and comer, and Chewbacca, who clearly knows Jedi exist, and he's yeah, still that, that's. Going, you guys I think that's nuts. one of the stupidest moves that George ever made was in putting Chewie in the in the prequels, but. Clone yeah. Wars, maybe. Clone Wars, maybe it could have made sense. But even at that, he should have, like, smacked Han. I told you the Jedi existed. I seen it. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, it's, that could be just, like, stubborn Han. Very stubborn Han. Just, no. I, I I know what you think you saw, but Han's so sure of himself. He's got that hubris about him that, eh, you're crazy. You, your, your, your eyes are playing tricks keep, on you. Yeah, keep your blaster. It's like when you're, you know, maybe, maybe Han would be a flat earther. <gasps> oh god wouldn't that be funny yeah um, don't go there all right that i think i think we're about done but just a, a couple questions here guys i want to throw at you guys are, are you buying alden Ehrenreich as han solo Corey? uh really i'd like to see a little more but um well do, do you I like say, what you see i like what i see and a bit <clears throat> i think i've done a good job of trying to disassociate myself from the Han or the Harrison Ford version of Han. Like my mind right away knows it's not like, you know, you can never uh, have Harrison Ford. No, but like from a storytelling perspective, I think I've been able to accept 
that fully enough that I'm I, I'm fully invested in this film enough that uh, I, I'm looking at him and I'm like, there's Han Solo. Like I, I'm, I'm I don't want to put that block up for me, you know. And I, uh, I hope he I nails it. I, 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 the mannerisms of Han, and I did see a lot of it in the trailer, which I'm liking. These subtle, subtle acting, like just small things in the uh, in your face and the way you speak, and the tonality of things. I kind of picked up on a bit of it in the in the trailer, so I think we're gonna see it throughout the film, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. Like, I don't want to judge the guy too hard, too, you know? You're like, you got to put your own little spin on things, too. Mm-hmm. And it's a different character. It's a different Han, as well. It's a different time period for him. But uh, I definitely think... I'm buying into it. I- I'm liking what I see so far. But it, it is hard for me to disassociate from the Harrison Ford, uh, Ford version. Oh, of course. James? Um... It's it's rare to hear Corey being so positive about Star Wars, but um, <laughs> I tried to be a bit negative there. I, <laughs> was that you trying to be negative? That's amazing. Um, I I can't really I can't really crap on him because I don't think I would accept anybody like right away as Han. Like I I don't think there's any I don't think it's his fault that I'm not fully buying him because I don't think I would be fully buying anyone yet. And I guess, like Corey, I want to, I want to like the movie, and I want to see a, hor- um, a story about young Han. And the reality is, we we have to give another actor a shot. So I'm I'm ready to do that. And I I like him already more after a few viewings of this than I did just looking at his still pictures. Well, he was the guy where like, oh, please don't pick him. Please, please don't pick Elden Aaron, right? He looks nothing like Harrison Ford. But he's the guy. He looks he, short they, in the movie. He looks yeah. yeah. He looks like a much smaller package, right? Like Harrison Ford looks like he's about six six one. Like, it looks like he has some size to him. This guy looks a little bit puny. And I know he's a bit he younger, short. so you give that's this guy some... That's my one thing, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's why you got to kind of think... That's why you got to kind of think of it. It's not going to be a physical uh, similarity. It has to be a mannerisms similarity. Well, if you want the like, impersonation, you should have gotten... Uh, what's his face? I can't remember his name. Uh, Anthony Ingruber. If you want the the closest look to Harrison Ford who can do the voice and, and grumble like Harrison Ford... Get Anthony Ingruber, but I think you want someone who can go through a six-month shoot and pull on, or or longer as it was, and play his own spin on this cocky yet insecure smuggler, scoundrel guy. Anyway, I I like the early returns. I need to see a bit more because yeah, the, there is like visually, there's some, there's a bit of a disconnect for me. But I think I think we'll still the characterization will come through. It's just in going. Well, boy, he sure added like six six inches of height and you know forty pounds of body weight. How did that happen? But uh, that's about it. I think uh, that that that's my only gripe, if I can call it that. Yeah, well, I'm gonna say the same thing. I think it looks amazing. I think it looks very promising. I won't say that I was overwhelmed whatsoever. I think it was very. Uh, mediocre kind of like it looked for like what I was expecting with the hype <laughs> mediocre I don't wanna, it looked amazing don't get me wrong but like with all this hype <laughs> surrounding it like I thought we were gonna get this like massive thing like to me to uh honestly like wait like, a minute I, I was more I was more excited for the last Jedi than I am Han Solo 
well, just that, that, kind of sum it up like the, that. Yeah, that comes with the territory, I think. I think for most fans, not everybody, and it, it, it's not a judgment, but I think most fans get more stoked for the saga films than a standalone. Is that? I, I think that's a fair statement. I think so yeah. too. Yeah. I, don't get me wrong. Again, I think it was a great trailer, but I wasn't overwhelmed. I'll say that. I think a when great, I watched it, I was mediocre. like, "Can you send you me? Send me? I don't even know." Like, oh, okay, Corey. whatever. <laughs> Corey, can you send me a picture of, of the page in your thesaurus that has the word "amazing" and "mediocre" <laughs> on the same page? I meant to. I meant to say Jedi ochre, something like that. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So, anyway, let's wrap it up with this question. Uh, actually, two of them. Uh, the Empire looks like it's going to play a, a larger role than than I thought. Like it looks like it's it's going to bookend this movie. Is that too much Empire? Should should the Empire be the uh, oh, like presence that it is? And and who's the main uh, antagonist here? That's kind of uh, that's kind of interesting. I think um, knowing that we're going to deal with this. Uh, what was it the Michael uh, uh, the guy that got cut from the film like Michael K. Williams? Yeah, that, that guy's a rare antiquities dealer. So there's something there. I definitely gonna have a I think we're gonna have a huge underlying tone of Empire throughout. But I don't. Seems know like there's a lot of like sub villains. There's no boss. Maybe. maybe like maybe the Kessel Run is the final thing. Yeah, it looks like it. Uh, James, anything from you? Um, I, the, I think it's really interesting that you asked who the bad guy is, and we both have no clue, and I, nobody really does, like who the antagonist is. I think you're gonna get you're gonna get like the double plot line where the they think the story unfolds around sort of the empire as the bad guy, but really on a subplot level, there's gonna be. Some someone pulling some dirty tricks, and I don't know who's going to be double. I think you're going to have a lot of double crossing, and it'll be you know hard to follow who who's really in control and who's who's one one upping everybody until maybe the end of the movie. Um, so I don't that's know. Gonna the be, that's going to be cool, though. I, I agree with that. I think I think it's going to be really cool, and it'll lead us to understand the cynical, uh, sarcastic pirate we meet in A New Hope. That's, mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm hoping for anyway. All right, guys. So uh, finally, here hype level. Does this does this crank up your hype level or turn it down or yes, even Steven here, James. Let me go first, uh, Corey. I'm gonna say uh, for me it does nothing except totally crank me. Up. <laughs> there you go. Did I take did I take your answer, Corey? Meh. <laughs> Meh. It's amazing. I I don't know. Like I. I I think it looked really great. I don't want to sound like not appreciative, but I think I almost was expecting a bit more. But uh, I think I think they nailed it. I think it's it's taken me in a bit of a different direction, and uh, I was digging a lot of the themes, a lot of the vibes. I think this movie's gonna stand alone and push forward of what <laughs> I think it's gonna be more what a standalone can be. You know, like again. It's, Hard, like touching back on the uh, what we were saying about the music, just that vibe alone, I think it's kind of saying like, like I want them to play outside the sandbox a bit in this film, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean this this raises my hype level as well as it. I mean, 
that's what it's designed to do. And they got me. I'm excited. Yeah, they got me. Uh, and you know what? There's going to be another full trailer at some point in the spring, I think. I don't know where where or when. But it's coming. and it will Because we don't know the plot of the movie. We, we've still got nothing. We're just grasping at straws here. Us uh, spoiler-free dopes as we are. Uh, but well, we, we got we got enough there. We know Han, Imperial Academy, uh, Han and you Chewie. You don't know the plot. That's saying Han, Han and Chewie. That's not plot. You don't know what's going on. We have a rough basis to think that you know at one point uh, Beckett's going to want to put a team together. He's going to recruit Han for what? Like, well, my theory is to pilot the ship, but they, they definitely have a scam going on. Like you could see that the the skeleton structure of kind of there's not enough to build a plot synopsis here. I don't think. No, not a, not a full synopsis, but derelict kid uh, kicked out of the academy gets picked up by this grifter guy. They go on this huge Ocean Elevens type adventure, and he comes out on top of everyone after this daring adventure. Okay, I mean, yeah, I I agree with that. But it still doesn't really tell you much. Okay. Um, anyway, let's let's not belabor the point. I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot more in the weeks to come. And uh, that's it. I think we're done here, guys. Let's uh, sh- shall we move on to the binary sunset after? Actually, James, you're you're out, right? Yeah. Peace, boys. I gotta sorry to uh, to talk trailer and run, but I gotta bounce. So enjoy the rest of the show and. Uh, Sorry to all the people who sent in questions. I wish I could have at them, but uh, duty calls. Yeah, <laughs> duty. <laughs> Love you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Peace, boys. Later, James. Okay, everybody. Thanks, thanks for putting up with our, our trailer thoughts. And uh, we're we're Corey and I are going to dive into the binary sunset coming up, kicking it off with the inimitable, unstoppable ads. Hello, lads. Uh, hope you're all well. Uh, another week, another question. So really busy at the moment obviously with with james and may and and our little uh, green door podcast so it's always nice to take a break from from that uh, on facebook and twitter etc and have a think of a star wars question so my question this week is a top five not including star wars films what would your top five film trilogies comprise of so i'll send something down by email so that i don't give away any of my answers uh in this audio but have a think hopefully uh, have some fun with it and i will look forward to hearing what your answers are when i listen uh see you all next week take care bye and there goes ads everybody ads um (laughs) i don't know if this is too late or not but uh if you let podcasting take a hold of you it will eat up your life (laughs) that's a very sneaky way of keeping you overly busy when you really didn't expect it to go that way. Uh, yeah, like I said, it, it, it's a pretty crazy gig that can just eat you right up if you let it. So um, be wary. You guys are doing an awesome job this this thus far, anyhow. Yeah, the Green Door podcast is is turning up aces so far. I really, really enjoyed it. It's just such a very easy listening. So anybody, I, I know a lot of people who are listening to this also listen to them. Very supportive community, but if, you, if you're if you not and you're into Tolkien, that is where you should start. They're only three episodes deep, so you're not missing a whole ton. So go check it out. Get a copy of The Silmarillion and uh, yeah, saddle up with uh, James and Ads and May.
Good little crew there. Good show. I like it. All right, Corey. This is an interesting question. This is one of those, like, you're at a pub and you're talking with your buddies type questions. Your top three, or top five, sorry, top five non-Star Wars film trilogies. I, I think we're probably, you and I are probably going to have almost 100% overlap here. I'm afraid of that, but uh, that'll just speak to the quality of <clears throat> the trilogies we're about to run off. So I'll I'll let you kick it off. We'll 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 ping pong these back and forth. Well, you know, as uh, I'm going to be true to the question for the most part, I think I can maybe go. I kind of got to give one loophole here, but you know, I almost asked this question last week on uh, Sith Disturbers, but we just kind of ran out of time. But uh, I'm I'm still going to go for it because it's a little different. Like there's a difference between actual trilogy trilogy meaning three. <laughs> there's a lot of film franchises that kind of go beyond that at a point so uh, yeah well that was that was what i was gonna ask like should we allow indiana jones it's no longer a trilogy should we allow lethal weapon it's it's gone past that yeah well i'm gonna stick to the parameters and just go with the three but if there were any loophole to be had it'd have to be indiana jones i feel like you almost have to let indiana jones be part of that group not because it's on my list, uh, but only because they did those th- first three within a decade. And then part four followed what, like 17 years later? More, I think. I feel no. like it's, I, I can't remember the exact year of, of Crystal Skull. Was it 2007, 2008? Anyway, it's close to 20 years, if you want to leave it at, at that number. Close to 20 years before they dusted off Indy's fedora. Um, so I feel like the original three indie movies are fair game for this, but yeah, it is. It is kind of testing the limits of the question. I don't know. So what's your first? Well, I didn't want to give. Uh, I'm not going to give any like hierarchy here. Like I don't want to. Just gonna. I can rattle some off, but I'm not going to say this one's better than this one. But uh, I had a replacement for Indiana Jones, and I kind of thought of it last minute just in case the loophole was uh, if the door was closed in my face. So let's go with the. Ca- Steve Rogers Captain America trilogy. Yep, that is on my list. That's yeah, great. I mean, the fir- the first one's <sighs> really good, and then the Winter Soldier is like, uh, man, just blew my mind. And Civil War is just a blast, you know. So well done. Yeah, the the, the first Avenger took a little while to grow on me. Um, but yeah, like after subsequent viewings, I really got into it. But uh, yeah, I mean, Winter Soldier is. It's it still might be my favorite Marvel movie. Yeah, it's intense. And, it's an intense oh, movie. It's you know? so good. It's so so good. And um, Civil War was pretty much an Avengers movie. Yeah, that's it. Like there was so much so much going on there. It was so fun just to see those characters on screen. You're just like, whoa! Oh, Black Panther makes an entrance. Spider Man, uh, Ant Man. Yeah, everybody's in that movie. Everybody jumps in the pool. It it was it's fabulous. So yeah, there's there's some overlap there for you and me. I I think this is going to be very repetitive, um, but I'll throw at you the Nolan Batman trilogy. Yep, definitely on here. Scratch that off as well. <laughs> Again, kind of for the same reasons as Captain America, just breakthrough filmmaking. I think in in the comic book superhero genre. Yeah, so so visionary, so so well made. Like it, it's it's almost a shame that these movies didn't take home more hardware. I don't I don't know if they did or didn't, but they definitely deserve to get more than they got. 
Well, just the route two that they took, like they just took so many tidbits from like Frank Miller's work and, you know, it was really kind of loosely based on that. And they, you know, in movies, they always kind of change things up, like in all uh, superhero movies. But the way they did this, it was just super on point, like love Nolan as a director. So there's a lot of people who don't like this trilogy because of the of the tap dance it does on Batman's continuity. Which, under normal circumstances, I would be livid about. But because this is a self-contained universe, I'm kind of okay with it. Like I think, I think you still get the essence of all the characters right. Well, it's it. He 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 wraps this thing up, man. Like it's it's it was yeah. His you story, get a be- you know? yeah. You get you you get the whole Batman story without the exterior DC universe influences on it. Really, um, well, what do you think? Should should they have continued? Like, would it even have been possible for them to use Christian Bale, this Batman, contractual stuff aside, should they have built off that trilogy for the larger DC universe? Personally, I I don't see any problem with that. We had Joseph Gordon-Levitt coming in as uh, Robin at the time. Uh, that could have been a nice segue for him to come back as they kind of already did it, I guess, where, you know, uh, he's broken and comes back after 10 years. But they really could have done it this time, you know, where he's actually really age him. And he's just like more hardcore, but I don't know if they. No, in a way, it doesn't kind of make sense because they already kind of did that whole thing where he's out of commission for so long, and but I don't know. Well, yeah, right. Because was it the? It's the third movie, right, where he's comes out of retirement. Is that it, or is it which one is it? The second one where he's in he, he's in retirement, or the, or the third? The third. Yeah. So yeah, like, it's been a while since I watched, so I'm very rusty. Yeah, he, but yeah, he, the third he goes, one he comes back out of retirement, and then yeah, by the end of the movie, he's back into retirement. So I don't know if they had continued forward, moving into Superman and Wonder Woman from there. Do you pull? Can you pull Christian Bale's Batman out of retirement again? It gets a little repetitive, right? Like that arc is kind of closed. Yeah, like especially again because it kind of emulates like Frank Miller's Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, right? Yeah, I, th- I think fans at large would have forgiven that just to keep that group together and moving forward because that was that could have been i think a really solid foundation for the dc cinematic universe instead they kind of put a bow on that which which is fine i mean it stands alone as a great trilogy unto itself but uh you know then they tried to kick it all off with man of steel and it's been shaky ever since until i guess wonder woman kind of shored things up um and I'll, I'll still reserve judgment on Justice League because I still haven't seen it. All right. What do you got next on your list? Well, another another lob here. Um, got to go back to the future. Yeah. Yeah, this is this might be my favorite non-Star Wars trilogy. I think it is, actually. I think we, we kind of kicked this question around a long, long time ago. And, uh, yeah, this I mean, this, this trilogy is so fun. Yeah, so watchable. Oh, it's got such a high rewatchability factor to it. It's it's so entertaining. The characters are so magnetic. It's it's just such a very very fun trilogy. And, and Marty McFly, you know, come on, like, what kid? When I was a kid, like watching Back to the Future at like six years old, like I was like, I gotta be like this kid, you know, like a, one of the good guys. Yeah, he's very likable. You know, he's snarky, but he's got a good heart. All that stuff. Um. Michael J. Fox played it perfectly. So thankful. We should all get down on our hands and knees and thank the Lord or whatever you pray to 
that uh was it eric stoltz yep yep was, i saw that wow talk about a dodged bullet and Corey hart as well Corey hart was uh sought after for this movie as well <laughs> that's all i can say about that thank goodness for serendipity <laughs> wow did they ever pull it off with michael j fox i mean it, imagine you can't it's one of those roles where you can't imagine anybody else um yeah i mean that the soundtrack to that 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 whole trilogy is great uh, again people are not super high on part three do you how do you feel about the, the western portion of the trilogy the uh, i mean it's i guess it's my least favorite but at the same time I love it. Like I actually, for Christmas, I have uh, this one sixteenth scale ratio like replica of it. Like it gets set up on the tracks and all that. It's actually really cool. Yeah, I mean, part three, I, it is my least favorite, but I still, I still really enjoy it. There's still, I mean, Mad Dog Tannen. Oh, there's all kinds going again. on there. Lots of cool references. His family again from the 1800s. The time machine too. Like Doc, like building his uh, ice. Ice Cube Maker. <laughs> well, yeah, talk talk about a, a trilogy that makes callbacks into its own movies. Like Back to the Future owns that category. Anyway, we could we could go on all night about that. Um, I think that's our third. What's your fourth? Uh, I'll take the fourth one. Uh, we cannot betray our friends here. Yep. Lord of the Rings. Of course. I was gonna kick it off with that. Just you know, it was a nice segue from the Green Door Pod thing, but. Uh... Yeah, big time. What a missed opportunity. Way to go, Doug. Oh, you cut me off. <laughs> but uh, yeah, totally on the same page. Like, again, I, I like the movies as like best one, two, three, but all three of them are just great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unprecedented filmmaking there. I, I will probably speak about this trilogy the least, but even though there's, there's clearly the most to, to say here, it's just, it's so good. And just watching the the documentaries and stuff like that on it, like these people became like a family filming this thing. Like they were all so invested in the project. Like Peter Jackson really took the time to get this right. And I think, you know, they have to get it right. It's Tolkien, right? Yeah. I mean, you, oh, of course. I mean, it's got a, as rabid a fan base and passionate a fan base as, as Star Wars. And yes, you absolutely have to get it right. Um, and, you know, they, they took a lot of detours. But... You, you, I don't know that you really had a choice. I don't know if you could have captured that trilogy note for note on screen. I don't know that if that works. No, but they, I mean, they, they wrote out the entire Tommy Bombadil aspect of the story, right? True, true. So, but I mean, the, the final result is still staggeringly good. Yeah, like, <clears throat> well, I think a lot of my headcanon was tainted prior just because of the animated Lord of the Rings. So... I mean, again, there's big differences there in the characters, but certain scenes are just like, wow, man, like just seeing them come to life on screen. It's like really like, wow, that's kind of like really close to to what I was imagining as well. All right. Is that five? Or was there oh, one more? We got one, one more. more yep. Okay. Go ahead. I think this, this, here's where we differ, son, bro. Do we have, I don't think we've, we've put in Captain America. Nolan's Batman, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. So, are we throwing Indiana Jones in here? Because that's our fifth. Or are we gonna are we gonna let Indiana Jones die we'll by the wayside because there's four and a fifth one coming? 
yeah, I kind of, I Captain America was my backup for that. All right, sorry, Indy. By rule, you are out. You are not a trilogy. No loophole. Playing it no, straight up. No loophole for you. <laughs> All right, get out of here, Indy. Okay, Corey, what is your fifth? Where are we going to differ? Come on, you know this. You know me. The Matrix. Oh, God. All right. Fair enough. I, I, I loved it, man. Like, I really I was totally into when when it came out. I saw all three in theater. Totally. I bawled my eyes out when Trinity died. Like, <laughs> honestly. That was so I, stupid. This. Oh, that whole third movie just sucked badly to me. Horrible. Burning out Neo's eyes. Killing Trinity. It's like, what are you guys doing? I, I liked it, man. I really I liked it. I didn't understand a single aspect. I think after you got... It's pretty clear that once the first part was you know, such a smash and they wanted to go ahead with two more, they just threw all kinds of stuff in the grinder and out came this sausage that you sh- maybe shouldn't have made. Oh, man, I loved the levels and the layers of the onion there. When I found out in part two when the architect is speaking to him and telling him that this is the seventh time that it's happened and it's actually uh, a lot longer than they think that they've actually been in the Matrix. Like, they haven't just been there a short period of time. Like, they've been in there, like, much, much, much longer, which just kind of blew my mind. And the choices that he had to make, like, him choosing Trinity was the anomaly. And there was also the Smith. The only weird thing is the Smith factor, how Smith is able to come into the real world. That's the only thing that really threw people off. But if you kind of let your mind go with that, like, it, that was the anomaly, right? And then they work as, a, like, the robot, the robots, the robots. <laughs> and uh, and Neo, you know, they come to a, a mutual agreement where, you know, it's mutually beneficial to save Zion and the, the Matrix itself because Smith was just taking over, right? I'm going to throw in a classic. I'm going to do the Godfather trilogy. I knew it. I knew it. That was on my honorable mentions. Yeah, it's, I mean monumental filmmaking parts one and two are are spectacular and you really got to put aside a good chunk of time to watch these movies and part three is eh, it's not it's not the greatest but uh, part one and two more than make up for it yep yep definitely a little slow but uh just classic movie making and you know another mm, possible loophole we could have thrown out there and it kind of would have passed if someone else would have said it. If James was here and he would have said it, uh, the the Born trilogy. Well, that's part, gone. That's gone past past yeah, the uh, limits too. Now that they've they've done it again, but part four was actually Jeremy Renner. So you see what I'm saying there? There's, there's room to play. There's three with Damon, and that kind of wraps itself up nicely. If they would have stopped it there. Yeah, I mean, you even could have used a, a Kevin Smith trilogy. You could have put Clerks, Mallrats, and Chasing Amy, I think. Yeah, I think it's called the, the Jersey Trilogy or something. Yeah, something like that. You could have used those, but that also uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back and, and Dogma is a part of that. So that's that's kind of busted as well. Uh, yeah, Die Hard at one point could have been a part of this. Lethal Weapon could have been a part of this. Yep. 
the Alien franchise. Yep, that was that, dude. You're, you're, I have a, I have an honorable mentions. You got every one of them. Yep, you could have put uh, Beverly Hill Cop. True, true. That, that hasn't been ruined or tampered with. Hmm. I don't think it would surpass any of them on my list, but that would definitely deserves an honorable mention. Good on you. Well, they, they, if they, they, you know, they keep doing what they're doing. Like Captain, if there's ever a Captain America four, <laughs> this question becomes putting that trilogy on this list becomes null and void. You know what I mean? It depends. What if if they go with Falcon? Then it's kind of there's your loophole opportunity. Ah, fine. Uh, Terminator Part Three sucked, man. All right, there we go. There's our our non Star Wars film trilogies. I'm I'm curious to know if every if anybody has other entries on this list. You know, because I, I really racked my brain trying to think about other possible entries for this list and i'm kind of coming up empty so guys hit the facebook group and let me know let us know that if, could change um, soon with that uh, that m night Shyamalan thing coming with uh when you can put unbreakable uh split and that new one that he's coming out with like that's a loosely based trilogy supposedly yeah i mean i'm sure there's there's some that we're missing but anyways there you go facebook group let us know uh, okay, let's uh, ads. Thank you, sir. Keep on doing some good work there with that podcast. All right, let's move on to Bradley with some Bradley banter. Hello, Kyle, Corey, and James, men of the Tumbling Saber. Hopefully, y'all have had a, a great week. I've got one Star Wars question for you this week, but before that, let me quickly answer a couple questions uh, that uh, y'all had in y'all's newsletter for this month. And jumping to light speed. And the question I think you posed was, do we prefer a May or December release date on these uh, new movies? Um, I've always liked the May release date just because um, that's what I grew up with. Uh, and I didn't really care for the, the December release dates at first because I felt like that was too much of a good thing uh, being so close to Christmas. But since, you know, The Force Awakens, Rogue One, and now The Last Jedi have come out in December, it just kind of feels right. And I actually prefer the December release date of these movies uh, compared to the May release date um, that we're going to get with Solo. Um, I mean, I'm excited that Solo is just a few months away, but uh, I think I would rather it be in December and just give us a little bit more time in between the movies. Um, as far as Ryan Johnson and his trilogy going forward, um, I don't know. I guess it depends on if we're still getting saga movies or not, or how the uh, you know the um, the one-off movies, uh, the Star Wars stories movies goes. How that's going to play? Um, I guess you could have one or the other being released in May and then the uh, and that would work but I don't know either way as long as we get Star Wars movies it doesn't really matter I'm happy okay now for my Star Wars question so I love the movie and I don't love the movie The Last Jedi there's a lot of things wrong with this movie there's a lot of things that are right with the movie, but I think there's a lot of things wrong with this movie. And 
I want to start off uh, the first week addressing um, the opening of the movie and Luke tossing the lightsaber over his shoulder. If there was one thing in this movie I could change, it's that moment right there. Because for two years, it was built up for this moment. Two years for them to figure out what the heck Luke was going to say. And I think they just didn't have a clue what they were going to have him say. And I think they've copped out here and they just said, hey, let's just have him throw the lightsaber over his shoulder. And that really ticks me off. I think they could have used that moment and to their advantage here to uh, further their um, the direction that they were were going to go with Luke's character, and for him to to not say anything and just kind of nonchalantly throw the lightsaber over his shoulder was just kind of a disservice to his character, I think. And you know. A lot of people like to read into this throwing the lights over over his shoulder as, you know, this deep meaning that this is not the Star Wars that you had when you grew up. This is not the Star Wars ode. This is the new Star Wars. And it's this uh, symbolic symbol of whatever you thought about Star Wars before is, is no longer the case. Man, they don't think that deep into this stuff. Not like you and I do. And I think it's just, it's as simple as they couldn't figure out what they wanted Luke to say here. And so they just kind of took the easy road in this. And they said, well, his character's going to be a little off, a little different than the Luke that we've grown accustomed to. So let's just have him do this and just walk away. So... That's the one thing I would like to have changed in the movie if I could change one thing. Um, And so that's my question to you. If there was one thing in this movie that you could change, what would it be? And it has to be one singular thing, Corey. You can't loop pole it. You can't say, well, this whole plot point here I would take out or this whole scene right here I would take out or... Um, I wouldn't have these group of people in it or this character here or Canto Bite wouldn't even be in the film. It has to be one singular thing, moment in the movie that you would change. So there's my questions for this week. Hopefully uh, y'all have a great show, which I know y'all will. Y'all always do. And uh, may the force be with you. Always. Later. And there he is from the heart of Texas, Bradley. Hope you're doing well, buddy. Thanks for these thoughts. Um, yeah, I like I like the bonus thoughts on release dates that you're talking about there, Bradley. Um, you know, I, I, you're right. You know, as long as we get Star Wars movies, I'm happy no matter when they drop. But I particularly like what you said about, um, you know, when they drop in December. Like I've I've come I've I love that release date now. I, it's it's going to be hard to lose it. But um, it is a little bit maybe too much of a good thing because like Christmas has taken sort of a an emotional backseat for me for the last three years.
Like Star Wars has completely overtaken, you know, the the joy of the season is it's Star Wars has taken that away from from Christmas. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm gonna have to go ahead and disagree with you, and I can only say that it's it's added to my Christmas cheer in such a way that it's become intertwined. It's not that one makes the other worse or less relevant. It's that the two are there at the same time, and I'm just like, double yay! Yeah, but couldn't you take some of that, like the Star Wars part of that, which is a big yay no matter what, and move that to another part of the year where it's just like, eh, I got nothing I get going you, on. Like spreading it out. I know what you mean. Like, uh, unfortunately, like, well, I don't say unfortunately, but. My my birthday is very, very close to Christmas. Like, I think it's not even two weeks away. Two weeks apart, sorry. And it's kind of always a bit, like, you know, anticlimactic. <laughs> like, everyone's kind of burnt out from New Year's and Christmas. And it's like the next weekend after New Year's, it's Corey's birthday. It's like, oh, I'm so fed up. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of spending money. My, my credit cards are maxed exactly. out. Exactly. Oh, God. Hey, good news, though. Your Your gifts are finally on the way. You know, I heard. Only order them in October. Oof, bro, I can't wait to get my hands on those puppies. Yeah, I should have had everything kind of shipped directly to you, but it's coming here first. So, although they're on the way to me, who knows when you're going to get them? Maybe next Christmas. I still got to get my hands on hindsight. We got to <laughs> see each other soon. Actually, I'm coming over this week. Uh, we've got some uh, technical stuff to work out for the pod, but anyway i'm on the same page as you in the release dates that i i'm super torn in this in that you know i'll become accustomed to the christmas release date no matter how uncomfortable it's been for us uh the past couple of years with the cold weather it's always been such a blast and you know it's a reason to get together over the holidays with your good friends you know sometimes that's the extra kick in the pants everybody needs to get together you know like uh but again, we're gonna finally have a chance to weigh that option now in Hans or the solo film. Like we're gonna get a taste of the the lovely spring weather again, harken back to the prequel days where you know there's just a certain je ne sais quoi in the air. So I I love that too, and there's always been something about May that's that's very Star Wars to me as well. Well, of course, it's it's sort of the longtime home of Star Wars, right? Yep. So I, I'm still like I like you said I'm kind of torn. I'm I'm definitely definitely gonna miss a miss that for for 2018 and 2019. No Christmas Star Wars. Uh, well, 2019 it's back in in the Christmas slot. I think yeah. No, I it didn't. No, didn't he push it to May? JJ? No, no, he he pushed it. It got pushed back to from oh from Christmas May of 2019. To, yeah, you're yeah, right. yeah, yeah, May. That, to, that's why right. we. That's why we're kind of freaking out because we have the 18 month gap between uh, Solo and and Episode Nine. But Episode Nine very well might be the last time we get a Star Wars movie at Christmas. Well, at least we got that. You know, we still got both to look forward to, and again, we get to weigh our options now. See how it goes. You know, I like both. Both are beautiful times of the year. So, well, maybe they should like leave. Like put standalones at Christmas and the sagas in May or vice versa, whatever. But dabble in both. Anyway, that's that's really not what Bradley is asking us this week. Um, <laughs> Bradley chose Luke tossing the saber over over his shoulder, sort of kicking off the movie on that note. And it, it doesn't sit well with Bradley and it doesn't sit well with a lot of people. Uh, let, well, let's, let's talk about that moment just for a minute. Um. What do you think of that moment? Do you have a problem with it, Corey? Uh, I guess I have mixed feelings. I'm not I'm not 100% sure uh 
I've, I've seen the movie again this week in theater and I was so happy. Like I loved it even more this time seeing it around. And like personally, I really, I've a few problems with the film, but not all that many. Uh, this was kind of, I guess one of them when I saw it in theater for the first time, I was kind of like, eh, like especially following up on uh, another joke that had just kind of gone down. Like I thought it was kind of a little much, but Bradley had hearkened on this as well. Uh, I think it's a really good way to put the the audience to get them to know Luke right away. Like you're establishing something right away about his character that you don't need to waste too much time afterward. Like you know right off the bat, this guy is done. He's out. And I get what you're saying. Like I have that same thing written down. Like uh, the whole weight. What's he going to say? What can it be? Oh, my God. And it's a toss over the shoulder. Like, it it, it did kind of like, it was kind of, I don't know. We expected so much more, but at the same time, it makes sense for what this movie is, to me anyhow. And, again, it, put, it puts us in the sense that, you know, Luke is, wants nothing to do with any of this. Yeah. Well, I, I'm with Bradley on this. You know, as much as I love the film and... Lord knows, I love me some TLJ. I kind of sour on that particular moment. It's it's it is my least favorite moment of the movie. Um, I just I don't find it meshes very well with the end of TFA and like the whole lead up into that moment where she gives where he takes the saber from her and he's holding it and it's like the look on his face, yeah, like it's almost like he missed that saber or you know, he, no, he's like, re- remembering I, I, his past life. Exactly, it's more remembering everything. Like, I feel like if he was going to toss the saber, he should have taken it from her and tossed it immediately. Like, for him to sit there looking at it and contemplating, and we're going, we're kind of just, <gasps> what's he, what's going through Luke's mind? And he just tosses it. Like, it, it kind of all doesn't, it, that, the, the cogs in the wheel don't fit in that, in that particular scene for me. Um, I, I like this. It's weird because I'm going to talk it of both sides of my mouth. Like, I like the sentiment behind it. I think that all works. Like, I'm okay with Luke not wanting to have anything to do with it. It's just the way that they chose to convey that that I don't like. And it, but It's controversial least, for sure. At least I can cling to the that moment and the last thing he does in, in Return of the Jedi, right? Throwing away his lightsaber. And if, like, that, to True. me, you, you can connect that dot and say... The last thing he did in the in the OT, the first thing he did in the sequel trilogy, it lines up perfectly. He threw away his lightsaber. But one felt like a heroic act of defiance. And the other, I, I don't know. I don't know. I've given up. Yeah, he's he's disconnected. Like, that's the thing. Like, it learns you something quick. <laughs> like, Luke is done. Like, you would have never expected it. That's another thing, too. It's like... You really would have thought he would have at least asked her a question or this or that. But as soon as that scene happened in theater, the way it was going down, I knew he was going to do it at a point. Like after the, those couple of, it started to, oh my God, it's dragging on a bit. He's doing it. You know, like I saw it coming, you know. But uh, it well, was the, definitely really the unexpected. Mu- the music builds, right? William's score builds to a point where a little crescendo and then it's like, yeah, he just tosses it away. Um. Yeah, I mean, and it's I also think... his toss too. I don't, I don't like his tossing style. There <laughs> <laughs> could have been, it could have been like a more of a higher lob. <laughs> wow, <laughs> we we are getting real nitpicky. 
But no, I, I know what you mean. Like it was the whole two-year wait. And that's again one one of those things that it was just so unexpected to see that. But to me personally, like I think it just puts you in that perspective. It saves a bit of time there and knowing that Luca wants nothing to do with any of this. But again, I, I agree with both of you as well that it could have been like, where'd you get this? Uh, but well, in my mind, like if I could change that moment, and so that, I mean, this is really Bradley's question. Like, if you if you could change it, like I wouldn't change the uh, the message of the of the scene like i i I would take have luke take the saber look at it and then just kind of walk past ray and kind of like just almost like a football handoff like just stick it in her gut and just keep on walking like keep this to yourself i'm out of here like that would have for me worked a little bit better rather than tossing it like there's there's got to be another way to convey luke's disgust or contempt well, it with, leads to one the of the Jedi, funniest right? scenes. It leads to one of the funniest scenes ever with the Porgs inspecting it. <laughs> I, I thought that was so good. That was, well, yeah, I guess okay. There's when you look at it, it, it yeah, silver lining. The the Porgs playing with the lightsaber was pretty cute. Um, but yeah, I mean, to show Luke's contempt with the Jedi and the cycle of violence and darkness that sort of comes with it all, I I just think there had to have been another. Another way to to accomplish that, but anyway, like it, for me, that that was sort of the low point of the film for me. So I I can't complain too too much. But what do you? Okay, yeah. so one one last thing that Bradley had touched on is uh, it being a, a symbolic gesture or a belief. I don't know if, if Bradley necessarily believes that. Um, a symbolic gesture that this is not the Star Wars that we remember. Like they're actively trying to flip us the bird, so to speak, but with having Luke toss away the saber. Uh, Are you on board with that? Or do you think that's a little too much? Again, it's a little confusing. I'm a little torn in that. Uh, I think it's possible either way in the sense that we had talked about something very similar in the sense when we talked about the trailers, this isn't going to go the way you think. Uh, Kill the past. Yeah, kill the past, all that stuff. Like they yeah, hit hard on that. They did, and this is again a good way to get you into that perspective. Like this is not going to go the way you think. Woof, saber over the shoulder. You're like seriously. Like I think it was like that. Like both of us, me and James, were sitting beside each other, kind of like, wow. Like again, we waited two years for that, but again, it 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 puts you in that mindset. You're like, Does Luke's it done. It, it like yeah, it did for me. It's like I watched it again, like not uh, three well, we, days we, ago. We knew Luke was done. We read that in in the Bresna bombs and and countless other places that Luke was done. Yeah, but you could you didn't know to what extent. Like we 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 kind of assumed that you know at least he might have said something. Seeing the saber, being like, wow, like this makes me think of something. You know, like give her a little story and be like, now I got to be on my way. But no, he was like, Ubliso. <laughs> like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Forget this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if I take it so much as a symbolic gesture that this is not your daddy's Star Wars kind of thing. Though you if you want to lump it in with that, you know, the whole set of um, you know, killing the past and all that stuff. If you want to lump it in, go right ahead, power to you. That is your subjective call, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that that is absolutely the one thing about this movie that I would change. I, I don't think I would change really anything else. I, I 
It's been a while since I've seen it, but I I don't know that I would change anything else in the movie. Yeah, well, I want to. I if I'm going to change anything here, I would maybe. Well, can't change anything. I would have liked to have known more about Snoke and the ancient force and all that, but that's not really changing anything. Well, like yeah, uh, Brad, like Bradley said, you got to take a moment in this film and change it. You can't just swap out one plot line for another. Yeah, so I, I think you had heard me hearken on this. Uh, the the beginning, I think it could have been shortened a little. I thought it was funny at first, and I, I still do. I saw it again. Kind of went by a little quicker than I had remembered. But still, the, the, the your mama joke is, you know, it kind of fell a little short for me. So you're, t- you're taking out the mom joke? Taking out the mom joke, and there's, there's another scene that I would have liked to explain a little better, and uh, the one that that's the first lesson for Ray, because I've seen this movie like, quite a few times in theaters now, and every time it confuses the crap out of me. Like, where, you know, she senses the dark, and she can't stop it, and Luke's like, Ray, and the cliff cracks, and, you know, like... Then, you know, she, just the water splooshes up and she's just there again. I was like, what just happened? Like, every time I see that, I'm like, what <laughs> happened there? I'm still lost. Like, she went down happened? there and it spit her back out. But we don't see her go down there. That's I the thing, know. right? Like, they could have really visually, they could have made that a little more clear. Like, and it would have been a really cool visual to get see her, like, getting sucked into that hole. And you're like, holy cow. And getting spit back out. That'd be cool. But, you know, then Luke kind of explaining it to you after, it's kind of like, Really, what happened? Like, uh? well, I think that's you know the ambiguity that we were taught told about. I think Adam Driver spoke about a lot of ambiguity in this movie that Ryan Johnson trusts the audience to cope with. That's one of those scenes I think that he was possibly specifically re- referring to, even though he's not in it and may not have even seen the movie when he said that. Uh, if he read the script, then maybe that's what he was getting at. I don't know. But yeah, that's one of those things. But like, don't, that, don't we, think we too learned. hard about it. Just accept it. He, she, Luke said she went down there. She went down there. But and it would have been nice resist. to know what happened. She went down there. Like, wow, she must have saw some crazy stuff. Like, what did she see? Like, you know, like that. Well, that's... the the upcoming novel might shed a whole lot of light on that. True, true. So that might be might be worth the thirty dollar purchase just for that scene, or even maybe uh, some deleted scenes. Oh, on you think on the on the Blu-ray? Possibly, maybe he filmed it and just wouldn't put it in the movie for some reason. <laughs> I have, I have, maybe I have a feeling that scene is intact as intended. I don't know that there's any shots cut out from that. I I have no clue. There could very well be. We could there could be a whole story down there, but I don't. I I would guess not. Anyway, is it, that's so you're changing the mom joke. I'm changing the toss along with Bradley. Again, everybody, let us know. Hit that Facebook group or hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you would change in The Last Jedi, if anything. Thank you to Bradley for some Bradley banter this week. Looking forward to more next week. All right, so uh, Matt Keegan sent us one, and it burned my brain all week. (laughs) And I fear I don't... I still don't know if I have a good answer for it, but here we go. Matt writes... Oh, and I'll also, I'll also preface this by saying he put it in the TSW VIP group. And I, 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 some, some, I think some good answers were kind of thrown around in there. But uh, here we go. You're hosting a dinner party. All your best friends will be there. And as, as an added bonus, you can invite any Star Wars actor to attend. 
but during this party you will say something which will offend your special guest deeply. In fact, they will leave the party outraged and will publicly shame you. No amount of apology or begging will change their mind. Your hero will become your nemesis. So who do you invite? How did you handle this one, Corey? Well, there's a couple ways. He didn't necessarily say hero, so he said person from Star Wars. Well, so just, a couple ways you know, to... somebody from Star Wars, you know, I, th- I think he's saying that sort of in a broad sense. Yeah, well, like, we're like, all heroes my, to us, right? In a way, my my mind just kind of got reeling there. It's like, do I really want any of the, the mains to, to hate me and publicly shame me? So, like, I was thinking, guy, the, the stormtrooper who bumped his head, Michael Leader. You're trying. Yeah. You're still trying to loophole it so that there's minimal impact, right? Pretty much, but you know, <laughs> then I, then I, then I started thinking, okay, maybe I'll go Daniel Logan. You know, he's still young. Maybe people just think that he's brash. You know, like maybe a bit arrogant as a you know young adult. Uh, but then I kind of just figured, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go full throttle here, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, hey, lean it, into Har- it, man. Yeah, we're bring it, Harrison Ford. I want to meet you. I want to chill with you. You're gonna hate me probably either way. You see, he seems like a bit of a grump. So when people <laughs> when people hear the news, you'll be like, okay, well, that's just Harrison. That's exactly. For the that's, kind of, that's kind of the answer I have. Like, I couldn't really decide between Lucas himself or Harrison Ford. Like, they're they're both grumpy and curmudgeonly enough that anybody would go, yeah, of course they hate you. They're it's Harrison Ford. He probably hates everybody. And neither have a really, neither have any social media presence that I'm aware of. So. You know, in this world that we live in, if it's not on Facebook or Instagram, it kind of doesn't exist. <laughs> you know what I mean? What's he going to do? Like, he's going to say something bad about me that I said something really horrible that offended him personally. Well, helicopters are stupid, Harrison. Like, rotors on a helicopter are useless. Okay, fine. Go go publicly shame me for that. Isn't he a, he's a pilot, though, a plane pilot, no? Oh, he he flies it all, man. He's a helicopter pilot. He flies uh, light aircraft. But you could really play with this, right? Like you could you could apply that to Alec Guinness if you're assuming that you could. If if Matt's question yeah. applied to living or dead, true, for sure he would just look at you and go, "What? What?" Well, at least Harrison too. You know, if you know he's gonna hate you by the end of the night anyway, like give him good reason to. But at least at the same time, it doesn't say that you didn't have a good night for at least maybe two or three hours with him. And then you just well, there you go. That's that's I, that's kind of the idea. Like, the drunker you get, the that, that's when you say something stupid that really drives him over the bend. <laughs> just like flips his flips his table, and I'm out of here. You guys are idiots. You particularly, host. Uh, yeah. I mean, what about Mark Hamill though? I think I think that would be tough. Like, imagine getting a good two three hours out of Mark Hamill. And then you and then you say, well, of course he's a uh, he's a big anti-Trump guy, right, Mark Hamill? And you oh, say something yes. so pro-Trump, like, wow, like, and he the just... Earth is flat. <laughs> <laughs> something like that, and Mark Hamill takes to, leaves in a huff, takes to Twitter, and goes, "Man, that chop rules with a Z is an idiot Trump apologist. I can't stand him." I wouldn't be able to live with myself. He, he, he That would be tough. He's fandom's uncle, man. Pretty much. Pretty much. Like if Oh, then again, he he has such a following and you know, people are so divided these days that 
the people that like if he shames you sure some people will go yeah he must be a real re- reject the other half of people might go oh that guy just might be my cup of tea if mark hamill doesn't like him maybe you'd yeah, pick sure. up that that guy's through the lightsaber <laughs> yeah that guy with that guy who's lost all credibility i'll, I'll side with the other guy thanks chop rules with a z follow <laughs> yeah, that's not those aren't the kind of follows i want <laughs> who would uh, anyway um yeah i i, I imagine imagine saying something so stupid that like john williams leaves and hates you forever he just seems like such a kind old man like what would you have to say to make him your enemy ooh it definitely have to be music related uh the harp is a waste of space pianos are are dumb elfman's better Elfman's bad. Yikes. That's a yeah. hot take. Uh yeah, and he That's yeah. not my hot take, I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. I know. But yeah, you'd have to say something quite outrageous. I mean what and what would you have to do like you know, bless her heart, if Carrie Fisher was still around, what would you have to say to make what her leave? If... Like it feels Ooh. like her tolerance like you'd have to go beyond the pale. You'd have to like shame people living with you know, mental mental uh disorders and stuff like that i don't know i could see her being triggered pretty easily if you know you say the wrong thing if you don't have the right answer like i I could see her calling you out on that and if you don't have a good reason or you're not honest with her then you know what i mean then i could see her really like if you were honest with her like yes carrie was like i i said this for this it was my mistake or whatever but if you were just oblivious i think she'd really call you out on that yeah, and that's and she's another one. You don't want her on your bad side. Nope. Or no, sorry, you don't want to be on her bad side. Like there's some people like if if because my ex- experience with with Billy D. Williams, like if, if I'm wanting a second crack at him, and he came over and I just said something. You know, Colt forty five is horse piss. Always was Billy, and he leaves in a huff and and sticks up for his sponsor and rips me for it on social media. Like, fine, I don't care. <laughs> Like, I really wanted to go with someone who's kind of done with Star Wars as well. Like, I don't think it would be John Boyega or uh, Daisy Ridley or Oscar Isaac. But then again, if you get to invite these people and they like you, inv- the idea is you invite them, they come. So you could you could get a good two, three hours with Daisy Ridley and or John Boyega or Adam Driver. I'm really just trying to figure out the one that affects me the least. You know, I'd still like to get into that time with them, but. To be publicly shamed afterward, I want to like kind of like some of the least impact with them for the most fun. Well, yeah, you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. Yep, that, that's, that's difficult to do because you don't want to burn that opportunity to speak with somebody who played a big role in Star Wars, the stormtrooper who bumped his head. Tell me that one story that you have. <laughs> what yeah, were you on seriously. set for six hours? I saw George Lucas once. It's like saying you wanted to have dinner with somebody who took part in some reshoots for the 97 special editions, right? I spent a day on a green screen set and nothing else. Ooh, come to my dinner party. No. (laughs) No, thanks. Stay home. I will take two hours of George Lucas because I assume that he hates me anyway. Enough of your your questions. Quit badgering me. This is the worst party I've ever been to. 
This is a party or an interview. Actually, we're recording for the Tumbling Saber, George. <laughs> that I've had a gun to his head the whole time. Speak into the microphone. <laughs> Who made these nachos? The cheese is all melted on top. There's nothing underneath. <laughs> you're, supposed to, you're supposed to layer that. All right. Um, Mr. Keegan, thank you, sir. I'd like to hear your answer. And everybody else, again, let us know. All right. Let's hear from one of the new powerful friends. This is the Metal Mando a.k.a. Jeff Keltz. Or you can invert that if you choose. Um, yeah, let, let's hear what Jeff has to say this week and come back and kick that around. Hey, guys, what's up? Jeff here, a.k.a. The Metal Mando. Just wanted to uh, chime in and say uh, very happy to be a recent addition to the Powerful Friends. Figured I'd send in my first voicemail. Um, it's actually the first uh, time I've ever sent in a voicemail to a podcast. I guess I was inspired by uh, a couple of emails back and forth, uh, Kyle. Um about a couple things, and uh, I sent in an email last week that uh, was read aloud, and I appreciate that, Kyle, uh, sharing my thoughts with everybody. Uh, one of the topics uh, that you guys touched on at the very end was um, that whole era of the early to mid-90s, which for, m- for me personally was the resurgence, kind of rekindling of uh, all things Star Wars fandom. Um, I, I mentioned that... Uh, I was 10 years old and got to see the original Star Wars movie in theaters and uh, the subsequent movies and uh, just to be able to, you know, live that as it was happening. Just very special moment in my life, something I'll never forget. The reason I bring uh, this up about that era is a guy recently asked me, he goes, what is it about Star Wars that you like? Um, you know, I'm not really a big Star Wars fan or anything. I go, wow, it's easy, you know, it just makes me feel like a kid. Just just makes me feel like a kid again, just like I was back in, you know, 1977 watching it for the first time. And um, so that's why uh, that whole, when I mentioned that the whole era of the early and mid-90s meant so much to me. Um, Because it just, uh, well, here's what happened is I was actually, uh, it was a late 95 or early 96. I was walking through a mall, my future to be beautiful wife. Um... There's a chain called KB Toys, and uh, out of the corner of my eye, I see this orange Star Wars logo. And media caught my attention, did a 180, and I walked over, and I'm like, there is a bunch of new Star Wars action figures I have never seen before. What what I wanted to do is maybe talk about some things in that era that kind of stick with you, things that you bought, watched, whatever... Um, and I, I was going to give you a top five of mine, and I thought maybe you guys could chime in with the top five of yours. Okay, let's go with the obvious, uh, the THX, uh, widescreen releases in 1995. I mean, wow. Uh, just to be able to watch those movies in widescreen, uh, as you saw them in the theater again, mind-blowing. The first time I saw those, uh, seeing things in the Moss Eisley Cantina, and Jabba's Palace, uh, stuff in the back, in the, in the corners, off to the side that I never actually, you know, I did see him, but it was so long ago that I forgot about him. And to see him again, it's like opening up just so much more. And, um, boy, who can forget the Nintendo Shadows of the Empire release in 1996? I mean, I'm not a gamer, but wow, I mean, I played the... H-E-L-L out of that game. I mean, annoyed my wife to no end. I mean, just could not get enough of that game. Number three. This was a book that 
um, after I had noticed the toys in the store, I kind of ventured into the bookstores. I'm like, okay, so there must be some kind of uh, information on Star Wars that I can find somewhere. And the first book that just struck me um, was called From Concept to Screen to Collectibles, uh, written by the uh, famous Stephen Sansweet. And wow. Um, the the cover was really grabbing to me. Um, it was uh, like a gold and black colors, and there was like four squares of Darth Vader. They didn't actually connect, but visually, you know, you, you couldn't pass it up. So that, I opened that thing up, and uh, like it took you from, like it says exactly, like from the concept of Star Wars to the movies, and then the collectibles, which really brought me back. You know, owning those uh, vintage collectibles when I was a kid. But, um, well, just an incredible book. I mean, if you haven't, uh, man, if you can get your hands on one of those, definitely do. Okay, and another, uh, this is the one that, um, my wife bought me for, uh, out of the blue on a birthday. And just before all those, you know, amazing visual guides and cross-section books and the art of and all those things. And it was, um, 1992 it was published and I got the 94 reprint, um, A Guide to the Star Wars Universe. And you open it up, and it's just, you know, it's just black and white. But, I mean, it has every character, location, ship, monster, creature, anything you can imagine with just detailed explanations of uh, of everything you want to know about it. And, um, I mean, I had this thing on the couch beside me every night for about a month, just delving into everything and just like I said annoying my wife with facts that she could probably care less about even though she is a big Star Wars fan but not to the extent of you know like me and you guys but uh so that's that will be the next on my list um another one which eh, might be pushing the limits because I don't know if it was released before the special editions or not but the first Trivial Pursuit Star Wars I'm pretty sure that it was the first movie tv franchise released from trivial pursuit just being able to sit around with friends family and just playing a game where you talk about star wars trivia i mean what could be better than that you know with people and have fun i mean that that's definitely another one that uh, left a big impression on me so my question to you guys is uh what do you think what would be your top five things you would take away from the, you know, the 92 to 97 before the the uh, re-releases were in the theaters were were out there. But, um, uh, so, uh, hey, you know, going down uh, memory lane with, uh, let's call it that, memory lane with Metal Mando. Talk to you next time. Metal Mando out. There goes the Metal Mando. I like memory lane with the Metal Mando. Sounds pretty good, right? Um. Yeah, thank thank you, Jeff, for becoming a powerful friend. It's really, really appreciated. And for everybody out there, if you've not followed uh, Jeff yet on Twitter, you can follow him at Jeff Kelts, J-E-F-F-K-E-L-T-S. Corey would suggest you change that to a Z or a Z, Jeff. Jeff Kelts with a Z. Yep, I like it. <laughs> I, like where you, I like where you're going there. Uh, but anyway, thank thank you, Jeff, for joining the community. It means means a ton. So, Corey, the early to mid '90s, before the special editions, that that is sort of the era where Star Wars came roaring back for us, and 
essentially cemented Star Wars' place in our consciousness anyway. Not just, I mean, of course, everybody listening probably has a similar experience. Uh, but for you and I, it definitely pushed everything else out of view for me anyway. And uh, I guess put me on the path to where we are today, talking about all this stuff again. Oh, yeah. So it was a reawakening, man. Absolutely. Big time. Not, not that it ever really went away. That's it. It was just we we just felt so blessed. Like the thing that we love so much is actually coming back. Yeah, because those old VHS copies that we had, I mean, there was never a time in our life that I can remember that we kind of shelved Star Wars. Like it was always in the rotation. Whenever we needed a movie to turn to, ah, put on Star Wars. Done. Uh, and then, of course, you know, let's let's get into to um, Jeff's list here. So he wanted to know sort of the top five acquisitions or memories from the early to mid 90s that we have and he kicked it off with the thx set which is i think top of my list as well i, I remember when that box set came out again pre-internet so i, I kind of read about that release in the newspaper remember those things and uh i, I bugged mom i was like we're going like it comes out this week we're gonna you're gonna drive me to the video store remember those things <laughs> Uh, to you're gonna drive me to the store, and we're no. gonna buy it. Didn't we bike there? Ah, uh, I remember. I thought it was after school one day, and she drove us there. No, it was summer. It was a summer release. We were not back in school yet. Really? The THX. I'm I'm almost 100 percent sure that we bike there, and that was the cool part too. We waited outside Super Schwat like whenever it opened at like 10 in the morning. We were there waiting on our bikes, and it was probably like a couple miles from home. You know. Yeah, that well, that was we bought it in the town where I live now. I think. Yeah, Super Shua. Is that what it was called? Yep. Yeah. I remember we reserved copies and everything. It was the first time in my life where we were like we went to the the video store and like weeks before and like yeah we got your order like it was all said and done. It was one of my first like me I was like I don't know like twelve or thirteen. So at that time, like I was spending a pretty penny out of my, like my budget back then on this, so it was like a a serious deal. Did we each buy our own set? Yep. <laughs> Christ. Yep. Uh, yeah. No, I remember going to pick it up, and I think I, you know, you had the choice of getting the letterbox widescreen or just pan and scan, and I was like, widescreen? That's stupid. Those dumb bars on the top and bottom. I don't want that. But man, what a dumb choice that was. Like, I remember I getting... I think I had the widescreen. It's possible. Um, but I remember, like, we got we got them. And I remember, either way, like, we get to the video store the day that they're released in, the, in 94, 95, whatever it was. 95, I believe. And um, I remember going to the guy behind the counter. Because whenever you had a question about a movie, the guy who worked behind the counter at a video store was sort of like an encyclopedia, right? They knew everything about every movie ever. And so I was like, is, are, are these the movies with like the, the new footage? Because I was getting stories confused. I thought these were sort of the special editions with new stuff put in. And he was like, no, that, that's not coming up for a few more years. I was like, oh, like I was crestfallen in that moment. I was like, no way. Like I, almost to the point where I was like, keep this. I don't want it. This this was the, the original one last time. But I do think there was, uh, I don't know, like 10, 15 seconds of additional footage in this. Just longer shots, like with the do back. Really? Well, yeah. I, wasn't that because 
like when you look at it and this, this kind of plays into the special editions when it was finally released that was my first time seeing star wars on widescreen ever and so as you know as jeffrey kind of alluded to like the screen opens up and you see all this stuff going on in the background and side characters like the, the first scene on the tantive four with that dumb officer standing next to vader i never saw him in those shots before like we we knew like obviously in the shots where he's talking to vader you see them but when he's questioning leia i think in, in the pan and scan he that guy's cropped out but in the widescreen he's there again and I, I was just so fixated like jeff said like all these new things in a star wars shot it was like wow look look how big this actually is but yeah i was i was disappointed that uh at the time we loved we loved that thing and just the sound of thx too when you like we were just i think we probably had a good sound system at that point my dad was starting to get into that too no not not then he still had his original 1970s era pioneer amp with a couple of decent speakers but of course yeah, were, they were big towers pioneer they were good nah they're they're like bookshelf size i miss big big bookshelf speakers i miss that so much but that's yeah. that's when you listen to Star Wars in stereo, just stereo, two channel stereo, and it was the bomb. <laughs> but just the THX, man, come on, like that's a thing from the nineties that I just miss so much. The... Well, that's kind of the beginning of like the extreme era. Yeah, it had an X in it. <laughs> it sure did. It absolutely did. Um. Yeah, okay, so that, that box set was definitely near the top of the list. Uh, what else is on your list? Uh, I'll go with him on sh with Shadows of the Empire. I mean, that was a huge thing. Even to this day, I'm really surprised that it's not actual canon. Just because they made a buttload of toys. The video game. Uh, the video games, you know, now they've made so many other video games since then. But this was a big deal to have on N64. Like, everyone kind of took this as canon. It's a really interesting time frame too. I think it's uh, takes place between Empire and Jedi, and I think it's only a six month time frame. But it, it set up Luke like that's the time frame where Luke. Okay, granted he just faced Vader, but he really becomes a Jedi more in this. He kind of realized what is Jedi dumb, what it is to be a Jedi, like how to harness the power in this book, which is kind of cool. And again, the video game, like all all that stuff, I I think that kind of got a lot of my friends around me into it too. Just the video game aspect. Yeah, I mean that the whole thing, like to that point, I don't think anything in Star Wars had been pushed so hard aside from the movies themselves as this whole campaign of Shadows of the Empire, the the video game, like you said. The remember the toys? There was yeah, there was toys like the they even had the Outrider, Dash Rendar. Uh, Biker Scouts, like Chewie with a crew cut, yeah. <laughs> Luke in a Praetorian guard suit. Didn't Chewie have an eye patch too? I think. Uh, oh no, he had yeah. some kind of like he had some kind of like. Uh... Well, he was the epitome of nineties extreme. Yeah, yeah. He was the he had a, all of the excesses of the, of nineties extreme. Uh, the book, the book was amazing. At a least, lot of people don't like that. But well, for me but, at the time, it was amazing. You know, as, as yeah. like a 16-year-old reading that book, having those gaps filled between Empire and Jedi, it was, it was like, oh my god, this is so good. I bet you if I read it again today, I'd probably need a puke bucket next to my bed. No, I'm sure you'd still kind of enjoy it. It's got little tidbits to offer. Like, 
There's one thing that's always stuck with me from that book that I thought was so incredibly cool describing how a Jedi might function. And it's kind of where Luke, uh, I think it's um, the bad guy is what, Sizor Kun or something like that? Uh, Prince Zizor. Yeah, Prince Sizor. So he's got Luke in this like death hold. Like he's choking him out with his hands, right? And then like Luke's like, kind of panicking but then he feels the calm of the jedi within him you know and the next thing you know like which was he, actually like the cold grip of death take <laughs> either way he kind of sees himself he like, he like everyone else is moving super slow motion but he's able to move at like normal time so he's in reality he'd be moving super quick but to him it's just like everyone else is moving really slow and it's kind of like the, the way the flash sees things in a way you know so I thought that was a really cool description of how the Jedi can work. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a play on the seeing things before they happen type thing. Um, so, okay, so Shadows of the Empire, that whole thing, the, all of it, video games, toys, book, that was a big, big deal. Um, it, it was almost like a cinematic experience without getting a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a big thing. It was. It really was. Like, because it was gearing up again. Everyone knew Star Wars was coming back into the fold. So, and you're right. Like, people really did take this as canon because it fits so snugly in those two movies and seemed to line up really well. Oh, not only that, the marketing campaign, the toys, the video game, the book. Like, it. Oh, they, they much looked yeah, like it was, a lock. It was like a triple barreled attack. They were coming at you from all angles. Um, stick, sticking with video games, I'm going to throw in the Super Nintendo games. Super Star Wars, Super Empire, Super Return of the Jedi. All three, I thought were just so fun. Little side-scrolling adventures. I had such a blast with those games. I, I didn't have an SNES at that time. I, I only came to have one a few years later. But uh, a buddy of mine had it, and boy, did we play the hell out of those games. Yeah, I remember tagging along a couple times, and you guys just sit there for hours. Oh, it was fun. Um, what what else you got on your list? Well, I just want to give a quick shout out to KB Toys because man, do I remember KB Toys every time we go down to the states. Yep, 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 yep. That was a cool little shop. Absolutely. Um, one thing I want to give a shout to, I think it's one of the only things I have from that era left because I mean I had went kind of I wouldn't say hog wild, but. Kyle went crazy. The power of the force stuff. I, uh, my parents hooked me up, even though I was older. I would still open them and everything too. I had no collecting sensibility. Like I'd open them, even play with them still, you know. But uh, I, I still have my T sixteen Skyhopper. I still got it. It's from that era, probably like ninety six, ninety seven, maybe even before that. But I love that toy. Like it's seen better days but uh you know all the pieces are there the stickers are a little worn but um definitely a prized possession of mine yeah it's a cool little ship for for something that you only see once in a garage <laughs> yeah that's it that's the significance of it all it's like someone would be like well i don't recognize that ship from star wars and i'll be like yeah you wouldn't huh <laughs> you're not a real fan exactly you're just a casual fan <laughs> get out of here it's a t-16 skyhopper man you know, like, like that moment where Quentin Tarantino and SNL rips, uh, you're not a Spartan spirit, give back the uniform. <laughs> Just calling somebody out for not being hardcore enough. You have to know where the T-16 is in A New Hope. That's it. 
Uh, I I almost put Rebel Assault because that's the other place yeah, where you do get that was the, so fun. You almost that's where you do get to kind of play with a T sixteen for real, flying through Beggars Canyon in one, right? Yep. But what you know after Blast Points did a breakdown of those two games, and then I went on YouTube and watched them. It's it's pain. It is pain to watch that. So okay, bad. It was, uh, yeah, what you have to do is appreciate it for what it was at the time. Oh, yeah. At the time, it was revolutionary. and It was just like, man, this is amazing computer graphics. So much more superior than, like, video games. Like, the power of computing, man. Like, it was, oh, good Lord. It was, at the yeah, time, the it, like, it was mind-blowing. But go back. If you haven't done that, look at Rebel Assault 1 and 2 on YouTube. Look for somebody who does a playthrough. It is absolutely painful. There's some nostalgia in there as well, but boy, oh boy, you'll, you'll think back and go, "I did I really like that game this much?" Um, yeah. So no, I, I just based on that, I I could not give those th- those games a home on this list. But I did give a nod to Timothy Zahn's trilogy. The like the the well, the trilogy where Thrawn was introduced. Uh, what the hell is that trilogy called? Or do we just call it the Zahn trilogy? Heir to the Empire. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much what it's referred to. Uh, the Throne Trilogy or uh, Heir to the Empire. Yeah, I mean, that was unbelievable at the time. and uh, so, so much so that, look, his his character is still around today just because of that. You know? Yeah, Throne endured. They found a way to keep him in there, man. Throne really latched on just because of those books. All right, so that's, that's Zahn's books. Uh, what else do you want to tack to that list? Well, you know... Uh... Really started to get into the books back then. Like, my first book, and interestingly enough, I never even knew this when I bought the book. It was right, right, uh, maybe five stores down from KB Toys at the Hills Mall in Plattsburgh, New York. But, uh... Champlain Center North. Yeah. (laughs) For some reason, I'll never forget Alan Dean Foster's Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which was actually supposed to be the sequel to A New Hope, supposedly. Yep. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that any of this at the time. Like, I was like, ooh, this book is a Star Wars book, and it looks awesome. Like, the cover was really actually cool. It was, like, Leia and Luke kind of, like, cowering to, to Vader. Yeah, and they, had, they were, like, in these black him. flight suits, right? Yeah, and Splinter of the Mind's Eye. How cool is that for a title? Come on. It's kind of really weird. Like, I, I was digging it. I bet you were. Yeah, I read the book too. It was it was meh. I can't remember anything about it. The only thing I remember about that book is them crash landing on this planet at one point and Luke uh, having the lightsaber and like turning it on through someone's leg. That's like pretty much the only thing I took out of that. And they showed out with Vader at the end. Well, I think yeah, that, that, that planet pretty... was Mimban, if I'm not mistaken. Which That's is being true, eh? reintroduced yeah. in the Han yeah. Solo movie. Yeah, I heard that talked about on Twitter. I would have never pointed that out, but my favorite, like, at that point, like, that was the Genesis. So, it was, I coincidentally, it was the first Star Wars book, kind of. But then I started reading a lot and a lot more as it came out. Uh, but my, the one that really stuck with me and the one that I, I was like, yes, this is a score. It was our Christmas present. I think you got some kind of vehicle guide, Kyle, if I'm not mistaken. But I'd gotten this character oh, it was, encyclopedia. Yeah, it was a technical journal. You got the technical journal, and I got this character encyclopedia. It was, I I just remember us both. Like my parents must have been, our parents must have been so goddamn happy. Like, okay, we're going to Quebec City. It's like a three hour ride. 
and we would just be in the back seat, like not fighting anymore. We'd both have our respective books and just reading quiet, peace and quiet for three hours. Like I was just fully involved in this book. And like, I think I read every profile from Forlom, uh, everybody, everybody. It was, it was so interesting to me. All that time invested in that, in reading that book, all blown out in April, 2014. Get out of here. Yeah. All of you. Yeah. Yeah, especially <laughs> this coming, uh, my my head cannon's gonna be crushed. In this book, I remember Han Solo and Dengar were in a race in the Imperial Academy, and he Han pretty much like lands his speeder on his head, hence like the uh, diaper band aids. <laughs> oh, there's some truly stupid stuff in there. Um, okay, I'm gonna round out the list. With I, this might be stretching it a bit because it did come out in 1997. Um, but it's a book called The Magic of Myth. It is the best Star Wars book I've ever read. I remember that one. It it's is a good coffee table so, book. Yeah, it's it's a coffee table reference book. It is just so good. Uh, it's it just it's exploring the mythological and I guess political and historical roots of the OT. Which was, that was all of Star Wars at the time. It, it's it's fantastic. It is so, so good. Awesome. Even to this day, it's still about that. It's classic storytelling, man. Like, mythos is going to come up, man. Yeah, I mean, this this book will never get old. It will never age. Like, certain books, like, I'm, I'm making of might get old if it speaks about certain technologies or stuff like that. This will never get old. This book is evergreen, as they say, and it's if you find it in a used bookstore or you find a reasonably priced cof, uh, copy on Amazon or some online place, pick it up. It's so it's fantastic. It's kind anyway, of, I, I, I just want to say, Jeff, quickly, like this whole era, the, the reawakening, the rekindling of Star Wars, like Kyle and I were both a, the perfect age for this in the sense that Kyle had said, like, we never really put Star Wars away. It was always in the rotation. So when it came up and around, we were like, oh, my God. It's like we found out – I found at a very young age, like 12, 13 years old, I think, that we were going to be getting new movies. And then we had the THX. Uh, the special editions were coming. So it was always something more and more to look forward to over that whole entire decade right from our teens, early teens, right into our 20s, our mid-20s. It was insane. So, like, just I'm super, super thankful for the memories that – that gave like the special editions is I would say it was my number one. Like if, if there were, if there was a down period in star Wars for us, it was like 10 years ago. It was, yeah, it, was kind of. it was sort of after the clone wars movie. I mean, a little bit after revenge of the Sith where we knew some animated stuff was coming, I think, but by and large, we're like, okay, so this is all done. Then let's move on with our life. And but yeah. even back in the day, too, like, I think we kind of felt that way because, you know, it was like 83 to like, it was almost 10 years, a whole decade without knowing. Like, we were just kind of like, we love what we love. But we didn't so really come to that Star Wars until the mid 80s anyway. And we were, we, well, we just gorged on the OT for years. Like, it, that carried us right through until it was 94 when we learned about the prequels. So there was never any real love yeah, for us. The, the THX. I don't know when we heard about that either, but it was a big ramp up too. That was the start of it. That was, <laughs> we'll give you this new product and it'll kickstart sales and put some money in the coffer so we can do the special editions, which will in turn fund the prequels. 
It but was, just everything about it, the, the hunt of it all. Like, I remember our grandparents were really big on garage shelling. We'd go out with them and find, like, all kinds of stuff, like original stuff, like bed sheets, whatever it was. We'd just pick it up no matter what it was. It was it was so fun just, like, I don't know, just looking around. And even recently, like, it's still out there, man. Uh, last year, I found original trilogy pillowcases, a set of them, pristine, like, pretty much never been used. For 99 cents. <laughs> I was like, are you got to be kidding me, man? That's hilarious. Yeah, dude. It was so awesome. Anyway, we could go on about that for a long, long time. But uh, Mr. Metal Mando, thank you so much, sir. That's, that, uh, that got us talking for a while. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts uh, next week or whenever you decide to chime in again. And let- Thanks, Jeff. And chime in anytime, man. I, I like the fact that you sent a voicemail this week. Good for you, man. Yeah, it can be nerve-wracking. And we're, we are, we are anything, honored. Man. Go for it. We are yeah. honored to be the first podcast you've interacted with. Thank you very we're much. We're happy to hear from you. Okay, we'll wrap things up with from one Jeff to another with, with Jedi Fish, Mr. Canto Cast. Um, so Jeffrey this week has got an, a couple of questions for us, a couple of quick ones. So which character do you not want to see in the solo movie, Corey? You know, uh, <clears throat> this might come off as a little controversial, but... Uh, I don't want to see foremost... Han Solo. <laughs> I like where you're going there. No. Um... There's a lot of people I don't want to see in this movie, man. Like, honestly, like, we know we're getting so much already. Like, let, let's keep it a bit real. You know, I'm still open to the possibility of like an R2 and a 3PO throwback because that's just been a tradition. But don't need to see like Dr. Evazan again or I don't know. I just I want to keep it to a minimum in that regard because we already know we're getting so many main characters like Boba Fett, Jabba. The plate's full. If if those guys are in the movie, like leave it at that, please. Like we don't need Tarkin. And this is my hot take. We really, really don't need Vader in this movie. That's not a hot standalone. I don't know oh, that that's really a hot take. Well, good. Because, you know, it's a standalone. Let's let this movie breathe and stand on its own. It's on two feet. We don't need Vader in this. I don't see him being this. Like, it makes no sense to the original trilogy. Like, you know, at least in uh, Lando's, uh, at Bespin in Cloud City, had these guys played around in this movie... Like, he could have definitely said, like, okay, like, so nice of you to join us for dinner or whatever. But, like, it could have been, like, so we meet again, you know? Like, there's no indication there that they've known each other. Yeah. I kind of agree with that. I I don't want to see Vader. Like, it's... it. I, I especially it's... do not want to see the droids. I feel like if they put R2 and 3PO in, it will be just pure, unabashed shoehorning. Like I, yeah, I hope the I rebellion is far away from all this. Well, it was for Rogue One as well. Uh, like, granted, it made sense they were on Yavin yeah. Four or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, they can it, make it, it make makes... sense in Han Solo as well. It's, it's still complete shoehorning if they're there. It's just again a tradition thing, which is an acceptable loophole at this point for me. Ugh, ugh, not for me, man. Like to me, the rebellion has not much place in this movie other than guys talking hey you hear about these these this these rebels who are pushing back against the empire they're, they're pretty stupid huh but i don't think we need to visit any rebels like i, I still kind of part of me still kind of hopes we have a cameo of um 
Diego Luna. Maybe trying to rec- we see him trying to re- recruit as Fulcr- as a fulcrum agent for the rebellion. That could be cool. But that's sort of that's all I want. If that that even that might be just a bit too much of huh huh. See how see how we connect dots. Look at us. Yeah, like we don't need Greedo. Like you know, we get Greedo and him have a pass too. But yeah, don't don't need to see all the bounty hunters. If if the, if anything, like I I think. <laughs> This might give away something here, but I really think Boba's going to be in it at one point. Um, it's almost too tempting not to. Anyway, we just got the trailer, so let's let's digest that for a while. Um, all right, that's it for that. I I don't want to see Vader or the droids. That's I'm, I'm kind of throwing out all that out there. You don't want to see Vader and a bunch of other names. But yeah, we need we need sort of a, a fresh look at this and a Star Wars movie that truly does stand alone without having to lean too hard on the the real big icons like Vader. Let's get away from that. Okay, and for Jeff's second question, a little Seinfeld quickie here. What character from Seinfeld would you want to see in a standalone movie? Why don't you take this one first, Kyle? It's very easy for me. It's my favorite character in Seinfeld. It's Dave Putty. Oh, I was thinking him too. You know, in a way, I could I could do two hours of Dave Putty Dave Putty mo- monotone, no problem. Yeah, I don't know about that. He's just ah, there's just so much potential for ridiculousness there. Well, I'm gonna kind of throw it to it you here. Uh, I think the best character in in. Seinfeld that makes sense in Star Wars because it's going to be comedy anyway. I mean, you can't churn that out any other way at this point, but uh, Kramer is the low-hanging fruit here, but I mean, I could just see him falling ass backwards into a million space bucks you know, and screwing everybody over. Well, yeah, Kramer's offers the most possibility for like a crazy space movie and like you could do like six Kramer movies and have each of them be completely different. <laughs> Yeah. Is he your pick? Uh, For main standalone. But the thing is, he's just his character, you know, so we don't necessarily need to choose this as the main standalone character within the movie. So the person that I see most fitting well within that universe as a complete weirdo would be the Wiz. <laughs> Nobody beats Wiz. <laughs> I'm the Wiz. A, st- like, a Wiz standalone be- movie? No, it wouldn't be his standalone. He'd just be a character within that oh. movie. Well, then someone else is standalone. Who's your, who's your standalone character? Wow, well, it's got to be Kramer then. But the Wiz has a a role. Yeah, fair enough. Along with Bob Sacamano, uh, Shlomo, and Slippery Pete, it's gonna be a wild ride, man. My, I, I had a tough time with Putty. Like Putty's my favorite, so I guess it's easy. But I really wanted to go with Jay Peterman. A Jay Peterman standalone would be hysterical. Yeah, I could see him. Uh, I could see him being a bit of a part of the Empire, being a blundering idiot or something. Like, well, I, I don't think I don't know if Jeff intended us to do like a Star Wars standalone with a Seinfeld character. He just asked, asked which character from Seinfeld would you want to see in a standalone movie? No, it's standalone Star Wars movie. Get real. <laughs> well, Jeff will clear it up. But, I mean, that's why I was saying it didn't necessarily have to be the, the lead. Like, even the maestro. you got to think the weirdos, you know. Like, uh, 
Well, well that's that's how it works. You gotta yeah, you gotta Morty go. and Frank. <laughs> yeah, the Costanzas in their own movie would be funny. It's yeah, like Fra- uh, Jackie Morty Childs. Kizzard. Yeah. Yeah, sign me up for all of those. But uh, Putty, Peterman, those are the two guys. I think guys. you just say, at this point, the in, the entire Seinfeld cast in a Star Wars movie would be absolutely awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. That is, is, that is us done for episode 112, man. Good job. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that was special, man. That was a lot of fun. But uh, ads, Bradley, Matt, Jeff and Jeffrey, thank you guys for your questions and thoughts this week. Much appreciated, and we hope to hear from you all again real soon. And, and oh, a big thank you to everybody who took part in the Han Solo contest. And uh, now we, we just kind of sit and wait for the answers to unfold. Although, now that we have the trailer in our laps, we might be able to pull an answer or two out. But that's exactly why I pushed to get uh, that, that, that quiz out and completed before the Super Bowl. Cause we all that was a fun quiz, man. Like honestly, like I was doing it, and I was like, uh, just for posterity, really. But uh, man, it was like I can really go either way. Um, you know, I would like. Uh, part of me wants to just take that quiz, create a second version of it, send it to those same people, and have them answer the questions again to see if it how if if they come back any different. But I'm not going to do that because I have enough stuff to do. All right, and powerful friends, my dear powerful friends, we are back this week, uh, hopefully with Journals of the Willing. We have a lot of catching up to do in the comic book world as far as Star Wars is concerned, so we're going to try and get some of that out of the way this week. And if you want to hear that, if you're not a powerful friend and you want to hear that podcast, head over to patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and consider signing up for just two bucks a month. And you'll get yourself uh, Sith Disturbers, which is exclusive only for your ears. Uh, early access to journals of the willing worthy of recognition and more uh, the prize draws again c- uh, congrats to carrie for the 40th anniversary god i'm losing my breath here 40th anniversary <laughs> princess leia figure uh the han solo uh, quiz contest uh newsletters all that stuff all everything we do as uh as part of the powerful friends program opens up to you for just a couple bucks a month so give that a shot if you have some uh, loose change in your couch cushions that you're looking to get rid of and if you can't manage that, if that's not in the cards, and you want to help us in another way, you can always be sure to subscribe to us in iTunes and leave us a review. Get some extra eyeballs onto the podcast and into our little community. And speaking of little communities, don't forget about the Star Wars Commonwealth. And as I say every week, I don't know many things in this world, but I do know that our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth are going to knock it out of, out of the park again this week. So go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, search for Star Wars Commonwealth, and check out all those podcasts. Great shows, great people, and just there's just more and more stuff coming out of uh, the, our, the Commonwealth. So go check that out. It's well worth your time if you need more Star Wars content in your life. Yeah, great community. So supportive. So So, so many good people there. Uh, okay, Corey, where can people find you on the old Twitter machine if they want to get in touch with you? Well, Kyle, <laughs> you can find me at Chop Rules with a Z. This is true. I checked. It's there. Uh, and you can catch up with James at Tommy Bombadil one 
And don't forget to check out uh, him and Ads and May on the Green Door Pod, which is where they talk about Tolkien. So there's James for you at Tommy Bombadil One, and I am at Tumbling Saber on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. So come say hi, talk some Star Wars, talk about anything else that's on your mind. And uh, that's it. Thank you for listening to episode 112. Look forward to hearing from you all again in episode 113. And uh, that's it. So have yourselves a great week, and we will talk to you soon. Peace. Watching you walking away from me Were you watching